This is the Shetler Show. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability to make art. When things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. I hope they get it, I'm sick of explaining history I'm rolling with a circle of winners, we claiming victories Yeah, come on It's about to be the realest shit you ever heard In a transitional world right now Yeah, it's just basically going for it, you know and Sometimes you don't even think about getting hurt or slamming But, you know, it happens It's skateboarding, it's you know, it happens game, every day Yep People are worried about skateboarding and the state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like it's like we it's take like over the streets. All right, we're live. We're live. We're here. We're on the Shetler Show. We're back. We had a little technical difficulties for a second. There was no audio. I panicked for about 30 seconds, and then I was like, you're going to figure this out. Keep it together. So then I figured it out, and I can hear you now. Excellent. Can you hear me? Yep, perfect. Crystal clear, man. Great. All in, then. (laughs) Today's guest is Zachary Sanford. And this is very interesting because I heard of you on another podcast. You were a guest on, uh, well, go ahead, explain it. Uh, I was a guest on Skate O'Clock. I'm also a listener of your podcast. Obviously, lately especially, you've been interviewing some of my favorite skaters. So um, I'm really proud of the course I'm teaching, and I reached out to you on Instagram, uh, knowing, you know, what a fan of that you are. And uh, here we are, so uh, about a week later, and uh, ready to go. Yeah, man. I was was actually working when I popped that one in. I, I was like, this one sounds sick. And uh I put it in and I was like, I've never heard of anyone doing this. And and by this I mean you teach a class in a university about the business of I guess action sports, is that how you phrased it? That's how I phrased it. It hasn't you know, it's been evolving as I go. Uh so, you know, the first we're actually right this is a perfect time for the podcast because we're at the midterm exam. I'm giving the exam tomorrow. So we discuss the test questions, and I can safely say that none of the students are listening in quite yet. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that'll be no problem. Um, And uh, But it's a great time to discuss the course because the way it's come together, uh, the first couple weeks were a lot of history stuff. I started with that surfing documentary, Riding Giants. Yeah, I've never seen it. But about surfing, and I used to snowboard a lot. Or very little about surfing compared to skateboarding and snowboarding. And so I started with that as a way of introducing the kind of ethic that underlies action sports, which arguably you can trace back to those early big wave surfers who kind of ditched what society said, moved to Hawaii, even though their parents... Uh, you know, other people in society in the 1950s, you know, stiff upper collar 1950s couldn't understand it. They moved to Hawaii and just got gnarly. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of started with that and I've done skating, snowboarding, and I'm sure we'll talk about it as we go. But uh, that is, first of all, it's so cool that you're teaching. I think that's rad. My brother teaches as well. Is that, how did you end up in that? Let's start, let's go before that. I want to ask you how you got into teaching. Okay, perfect. Um, well, I was, I, first of all, let's just say this. I was a terrible student in high school uh, and throughout my, you know, up until college, basically. And in the first few years of college, because uh, I was really into snowboarding at that time and I was doing it every day yeah. and uh, skating a lot, too, you know, especially when I couldn't snowboard. So um, but the way I got into teaching was because 
uh, my father and a lot of my family lives over in England. And aside from skating and snowboarding, I'm really into soccer, uh, particularly Arsenal uh, Club in North London. Uh, there are some other skaters who are probably uh, into them, too, I'm sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I got really – I moved over there after I finished college here, and I got a – I was looking for any kind of a writing job. I had a journalism degree from the University of Montana. Uh, I went to school in Montana because I wanted to snowboard. Uh, I'm sorry. I actually got my journalism degree from Wright State uh, here in Dayton, Ohio, but I had originally gone to Montana. And then after I finished school here in Dayton, uh, I wanted to move over to England and see some of my family there. And I just uh, was looking for any kind of a job. I got a six-month writing internship for a company that does executive conferences from people for people from soccer clubs. Oh, right? sick. Yes. And I was pretty into soccer. But at the time, I was applying for stuff at English skate mags, English snowboard mags, um, general newspapers to be a writer on whatever topic, oh. uh, all kinds of internships. And this is the one I happened to get, right, this soccer one. <laughs> so after six months of that, my visa runs out. And the only way I can go back to England, skateboarders know all about visa issues. Oh, you yeah. know, Canadians, European skaters, it's a huge issue. There's I know. always a horror story for sure. What's exactly. the, before we go forward, forward, who just walked by in the background? Uh, that that's little Barkley, man. This is my English cocker spaniel. So, uh, not only am I really into English soccer, but I have uh, an English breed of dog as well. This uh, little man here. So, awesome. What's up, homie? Yeah. Good boy. <laughs> oh, he he's definitely just looked up at you, man. He hears you. He knows yeah. dogs. I got a little miniature long-haired dachshund named Elwood. And he's out there probably killing his ducky right now. And then I also have um, a beagle. And she's super lazy. So she's definitely just like sleeping on the couch. And if you touch her, she's a little crabby. She's really moody. Yeah. Dogs are the best though, her man. Name, what, uh, what's your beagle's name? Amber. We call her Amber. Amber that's right. Yeah. yeah. They're almost like characters in the podcast. <laughs> supposed yeah. to have heard, you know, at least a few episodes. I've at least heard, you know, four or five hours of you chatting away. Yeah. And very enjoyed I, it. I got um, Elwood Bear and Amber Pants. They're the homies. They're really good dogs, and, and uh, my life would be empty without them, for sure. That's yeah, it. totally. I feel much the same here. Yeah. So, so why did you decide? You went to, you went to England to, for your family to hang visit your family and all that stuff, and you're already skating. Like You've been skating this whole time? Yeah, actually, Anthony, I kind of wondered if I would get the same treatment as, uh, you know, Zara Bissett and Aaron Susky. <laughs> if, if the first question would be, uh, how did you get into skateboarding? But I guess it's pretty similar because you said, how did you get into teaching? But, uh, I guess I'll, I'll answer the skateboarding question and I'll try and be brief. I want, uh, but, I, I like, you know. I want to get the skateboarding there because now we're getting to the point where it's like, we know you're a teacher, you got into it a little bit, and now I just want to know how you found skateboarding because if you're going to teach the class, it's like, I just want to know how you found it. That's a good, that's like your street cred, right? Oh, totally, <laughs> man. And I'm very lucky to say I have a bit of an unusual skate history because I would say that most people's years when they're most intensely skating, are usually their teenage years, right? Sort of junior high and high school for most people. A lot of people fall off after high school or, you know, you know, um, stuff like that. So, but a lot of people form their love for skating during those years. Yeah. Absolutely. I started skating when I was four. I got my first deck when I was four years old before I can even remember it. And it was a skull skates deck. There's a, 
pictures of me with it that I've seen and stuff. By the time I was five, I had my second deck, the one I can remember. That was a Matt Hensley King Size H Street. Dang, how'd you get so yeah. lucky? Who was the one that knew to get you that? Well, listen to this. So <laughs> my, um, actually here in Dayton, Ohio, I had family here in Dayton, Ohio, but I didn't move here myself until later. And they happened to live two blocks up from uh, one of the oldest skateboard shops in Ohio. It's not around anymore, but it was called Ohio Surf and Skate. And they had a mini ramp in the back and a strong relationship with Alien Workshop and DNA and all the stuff that's come from Dayton, you know, because it's kind of a special place in skating. No, ab- absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, I'm, all right, I'm sure you know. Obviously. It, was, it was cool because I was looking at your – you sent me over um, your assignment, and it, it was real, like, Philadelphia, like – um, it had uh, Rob Deerdick influence, and like I could tell that's like where you. I, I mean, I listened to the podcast too, but I knew I was like, all right, he knows this era of skateboarding, this this center. It's so. Yeah. Cool. Um, where were we going? What were you saying right before that? Yeah, no, no. So the way I got into skating was that my family lived in Dayton, right up the road from this shop, when I was three years old. And oh, that's would, what it was. Sorry to cut you off, but that's what it was. Yeah. Who's surfing out there? What do you mean? Yeah, I know. Ohio Surf and Skate. And not <laughs> only is there, there are two shops unaffiliated that have that name. There's another one in Cleveland, like in the back of Thrasher, where it says which shops carry the mag. There yeah. are always two Ohio Surf and Skates. Weird. So, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, yeah, and I, at least my understanding is that they're unaffiliated. I, I, you know, I don't know. It's from the back but, of the Thrasher mag. We're not quoting you. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, no, I got my first deck before I could even remember it. And listen to this. I lucked out because my after-school babysitter, where I actually lived in Lansing, Michigan, had a kid who was about 12 at that time, maybe eight years older than me, and he had a three-foot mini ramp in the backyard in 1988. And I learned to like drop in and skateboard then. And I've learned, I've known how to ollie since I, for, you know, forever. I've, anytime I've ever picked up a board. We ended up moving, unfortunately, from Lansing, Michigan to elsewhere in Michigan when I was only, uh, seven. So I had like three really strong years of skating with some guidance. And then I moved. And obviously being a young, impressionable kid, I got into other stuff throughout you know, my early teenage years and things like that. I always had a skateboard, but I wasn't always skating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, but what really brought me back to skating was when I was about 17. And by this point, I had moved with my family to Dayton, Ohio. And one of my um, friends here, one of my high school friends, who's not really a skater or anything, but just uh, one of my great friends, uh, his family uh, had uh, you know, his skis and stuff. And they were going on a snowboard trip and they invited me to come along. And I got on the snowboard and whatever I learned, you know, when I was a real little kid, um, you know, when I was really young skateboarding, immediately came out on the snowboard and I could yeah. just do it. It was weird. I'm and so I loved afraid. it. I'm so afraid of snowboarding. Just you bring that up. Snowboarding, my friend keeps asking me, he's like, let's go snowboarding. And I'm like, dude, I've been skateboarding for fucking. 20 years or whatever, however long it is, I know how to fall on a skateboard. I feel like on a snowboard, it, you, like you're gonna have to fall awkwardly, cause you're strapped in, right? So I imagine your knees are gonna be twisting a lot different, and like to me, I'm terrified. I'm, is oh that- yeah. <laughs> and I know what you mean, and especially because, you yeah. know, given what you've done with it, love skateboarding, you know, beyond anything. Yeah. Uh, 
idea of hurting yourself doing something that you don't necessarily care very much about that would be a fun afternoon in the cold, yeah. you know, maybe having a couple beers and stuff is not, you know, I mean, that kind of thing figures into, so. That's, the thought of me not being able to do a kickflip breaks my heart. And that yes, happening that. because of snowboarding would piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. Um, so even right now, this winter, I have not been able to snowboard once. There was one day that I couldn't skate because there was actually too much snow, was wet everywhere, and I couldn't drive. So I did a couple of method grabs, like over at the golf course or whatever. But I have been, like, just committed because I hate when I kind of get distracted from skating once it starts to get cold with a little snow and then I lose my skate legs yeah. or I get hurt snowboarding. And then, you know, it's just not the same. So I just, even though we don't have an indoor park here in Dayton, the nearest one's in Cincinnati, about 45 minutes away, I... um you know, it's just like I'm skating every day this way. Dude, so. I've been looking at your Instagram, and you're not kidding. You guys are out there, and, like, it's freezing out right now, dude. I saw, like, nine degrees on your Instagram. Are you? It's insane. How do you – I mean, you probably just wear layers, and then after 20 minutes, you start peeling some layers off a little? Uh, well, I got to tell you the truth, man. I'm really lucky to have a background in snowboarding because I know when it's 35 that I don't need to put on long johns. Um you know, that, uh, but when it's 25, that I need long johns, a little bit more. And I'll tell you what I've been doing. I'm 30 years old, so Hell my yeah. body's not in amazing shape. <laughs> yeah. And I've been hitting, I'm just really lucky to have a great schedule that allows me to skate. And for some reason or another, I'm skating like better now than I have ever in the past, which is a lot of fun. It's not, again, I don't have a typical skate history. Most people skate best when they're in their teenagers teenage years or 20s and then their 30s are a story or a tale of trying to do the stuff they used to be able to do yeah. that's not it for me i'm learning new stuff you know that's what i mean awesome well so, that, yeah so I'll tell you this i'm 32 and i've done a lot of skateboarding i've been like traveling i've had more time to skateboard than most because i've been sponsored and like i lived like years of just skating straight and uh i'm still learning tricks i'm 32 you know what i mean it's like oh. Uh, the rabbit hole in skateboarding does not end. It's just like um, my homie Donnie Barley. You, you've probably heard him on the podcast. He had a shop, and he named it the Fountain of Youth, and that was, like, so perfect. I was like, yeah. it very much is. It, it keeps you youthful. It keeps you young. And if you are really trying to challenge yourself, you're going to learn new stuff, man. And, and the reason why it keeps you young, and it's so common sense, and it sounds silly to say it, but it's because it makes you sweat, and it makes your heart beat. And it makes uh -huh. you, like, feel excited. It makes you be present you know what i mean sometimes you're scared sometimes you're focusing like and that is what will keep you youthful if you're in the moment it, you'll be more youthful you won't get stuffy and yeah you know people have it happens to people <laughs> no i completely understand man i've been so busy being a part-time professor doesn't pay great so i have a couple other jobs that i'm working on have and i got up at about five this morning i was working on that midterm exam still that i mentioned uh, another project which I'm excited to tell you about having to do with uh, Kalis is epically later. We'll talk oh, about that later. Um, and, and then I had a report call, a conference call for my other job, and then I was reminded at 1 p.m. that I needed to drive my uh, cousin to the airport. <laughs> so I made some time before that to do this sidewalk ollie at this crack I'd seen. That's on my Instagram if you want to check it out. 
And then, uh, and then I made some time after the airport to skate a ledge that's right up there in the couple of hours before I had to get back here and be ready for the podcast. And I ended up all, trying to do a backtail on the ledge, but starting at the front of the ledge where I had to ollie over a pile of snow that was still there. So it was hard to get into it and stuff. Yeah. And it's a downhill ledge, so, you know, with a back tail on a downhill thing or a hubba, you have to get that weight on your heels, so it's real hard. It shoots out a lot, and sometimes it takes a while, you know? Hell yeah. It's, I'm sure you know. Okay. And uh, I ended up getting completely sweaty, 100% drenched, trying it 55 times. I ended up doing it or whatever at the end, and, you know, I com- my mind had gone completely blank, and here I am. Totally, even though I woke up at five in the morning and I am totally refreshed, man. I put everything I had into skating and it has given me back all the energy I could have in the world from how stoked I got landing that trick, having fun out and, you know, making the best of a cold day. It's 25 or whatever. And I made it into a day that I could skate and, you know, I feel great and now I'm refreshed and, you know, here to You are, to me, a functioning adult in today's society. (laughs) A happy, (laughs) functioning adult. I like it. It's crazy because I always talk to little kids. I do a lot of skate lessons, and I go to the Skater's Edge near my park, and I meet all different types of people. And it's crazy. Like I love how diverse skateboarding is right now. It got a little weird for a while, but now it's getting back to like anything goes. And that like makes me so happy because... Uh, skateboarding is like one of those things that should be shared. Like no matter what, what sexual preference, what color, what gen, like any of it, none of it matters. Gender, none of it matters. Like if you like to be happy and like to try new things and like have that feeling of accomplishment and fun and and just like day to day joy and like a community, like it don't you shouldn't be segregated at all. It should that should be for everyone. I agree, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's why I'm so excited that you and Skate O'Clock and Skate to Create and uh, mostly skateboarding, there are a few now at least, uh, I don't know who I'm forgetting, but uh, the guys that are doing podcasts, uh, I think it's really important because there are enough pictures out there, yeah. you know, there are uh, plenty of pictures, there's plenty of video, you could never watch all of it, you could spend 24 hours a day doing it, but there are guys like me who... Honest to God, I love reading about skateboarding as much as I do watching it. Um, you know, you could ask me, A, who my fa- what my favorite video part is, but you could also ask me what who my favorite skate writer is, and I would tell you it's the Boil the Ocean blog, if you've <laughs> ever read that, man. Yeah. It's amazing writing about skateboarding. Really creative, and, uh, and I think talking about it and treating skateboarders like people who are going to tune into a radio show and be interested in listening and talking about skateboarding, not only watching it, is yeah. something that I think is awesome. And maybe it's something that the magazines and the bigger part of the industry uh, has left behind or isn't really catering to. And some of the, uh, and I think some of the more thoughtful stuff like this, uh, and, you know, in a way I consider this as coming from you, which is all I need, you know, which is coming from the smaller companies. Yeah. Um, so like this stuff and some, and the way that, uh, some of the more thoughtful videos that aren't necessarily the gnarliest skating, like the magenta stuff and the polar stuff, you know, um, that stuff I think is catering to a different kind of skater. And maybe, you know, maybe that's the person who wants to listen to the podcast and read great articles and, watch the videos and the photos, but not just look at a picture book every single month. And with that being said, I have to say that what the barracks have done to the skateboard mag is disgusting. 
And uh, I think it's absolutely, absolutely disgusting. And if they talk about building skateboarding and giving back to skateboarding and everything else, and I'm sorry, to take all the words in the magazine and put them on the front page, you know, as uh, as as if uh, the, the skateboarders want nothing more than that once they open the magazine, uh, I think is just disgraceful. So, you know, maybe that's uncool or something to say that. Or maybe, I think maybe skateboarding has a streak of anti-intellectualism, shall we say, that it could brush off. And turning one of the magazines that used to have some of the best writing about skateboarding into a giant picture book is disgraceful. So, there it is. Well, see, then, it's like, that's why the podcast is the beautiful thing, and I think more pro skateboarders should do it, because skateboarding isn't about, like, the pictures or the tricks. It's not just about tricks. It's about um, everything. It encompasses everything. It's your whole life, you know? Like, it, it, you you learn from a skateboard. It's like a journey. You take it on. So skateboarding is for everyone. That's the beauty of it. It's like it doesn't ha- you don't have to be the best skateboarder. Like, you don't have to have the gnarliest shit. It's like you're equal value to whoever. That's what I like about professional skateboarders. You can actually meet them. You know what I mean? Like, like, I go to the skate park all the time, and I meet people all day long. Like, whereas other sports, you don't, like, get to go just meet, like, the dude, like, rant. You can't go play football with, like, <laughs> like, you can't, with, imagine having the Patriots, like, just go play football with them, like, at the local football field. You can't have it. Like, Happen like that. Skateboarding is for everybody. I don't like when the big companies come in and all these comp- competitions. I don't mind it, but there's got to be a healthy balance, and that's like the whole idea. Is like I named all I need, all I need, because that's a feeling that we all connect to. We all have like a joy, a need, like something that we need to make us happy. So it's like as simple as you can make it, and it's like whatever it is, skateboarding. Like other expressions are fine too, but for us, it's skateboarding. You know what I mean? And you need to. It, that's why I think. Sorry for on, going on a tangent, but. Oh, please do. I, I think skateboarding needs to mature a bit because it's like, like you said, there shouldn't be an anti-intellectualism or whatever. It's like everybody skateboards. I taught skateboard lessons to a, a heart surgeon. He was like yep. 38 years old, man, and he's just down. And he, I've taught multiple lessons with him, and he's so cool, and he's just like, but he's not like what a skateboarder would accept, you know? I teach uh-huh. skate lessons with people that are overweight. Like, I teach skateboarding to anyone. I don't care what anyone looks like. It's like, it should be it for everyone. That means if we hit, if it's for everyone, then we can have podcasts that are cool expressions. We can have the magazines. We can have the contests. We can have, like, if everyone can understand that, you know, that's like a simple concept. We can't, yeah. like, we can't jock anyone out of skateboarding. That's what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, uh, here, here, man. I, uh, agree with everything you said there. I, you know, I think it's great. And, you know, uh, one of the things that actually got me the most uh, stoked recently about skating and one of the people I've enjoyed skating with the most is a friend of mine who started skating a year and a half ago at age 30, a guy I grew up with who's an engineer and uh, never doesn't have uh, to use the, you know, the title of my class, an action sports bone in his body, started <laughs> skating on a chocolate Gino Iannucci with some yeah. Spitfires and some Indies, you know, not on a longboard, uh, went out, learned how to skate. And um, now he actually moved from Dayton, where we were skating together, to uh, New York City. And he's living around the corner from labor at ah, Canal Essex skates all over lower manhattan and you know he's not the kind of guy who we necessarily 
go skating with on a regular basis or see at the skate park or whatever. But I'll tell you what, he has been uh, known to skate a couple of blocks from his apartment to LES and, uh, you know, catch a few turns at 6 or 6.30 in the morning before he goes and works, you know, his engineering job in Midtown all day. And that's, you know, a guy who's 30 years old who started to skate a year ago and goes and cruises around and, you know. You know what the beauty of that is? Is, is that, like, regardless of what age you are, when you find skateboarding, you know when the the funnest is when you're learning the basics. And that, like, that's why whenever I meet anyone and I'm like, you should skateboard, you should skateboard. Some people are like, I'm too old, da, da, da. I'm like, no, nah, all you have to do is go so slow. First thing you do is find your center of balance. Like, that's it. Just stand on the board, find your center of balance on your front foot. Just try to do that a little bit. And that's, just, like, the funnest shit. So it doesn't matter what age or what type of person you are or whatever, like, <laughs> skateboarding is like a gift to people it's not it's not something you can really control you know it's the same with that's why people should do podcasts too man it's self-expression anything that like skateboarding is expression too you know the way you the way you handle it you form styles all these all this stuff you know and and verbalizing everything is skill as well it's just like a gift too that's why i'm always like do a podcast do a podcast it's self-expression and then not only is it self-expression but then i can talk to cool people like you and you can share your self-expression and it's all connectivity you know what i mean we just like meet each other and it's all through technology i keep yeah. we got to convince every skateboarder to make a podcast all the pros we got to get them on it <laughs> yeah no i think maybe it's that's a great- class you could teach podcasting skateboard podcasting for pros that'd <laughs> be sick well i'll tell you what the first thing i'm doing that's related to uh, skateboard podcasting in my class is using the episode that uh, you recorded with ryan gallant recently that you oh, just put out uh last night right yeah uh, the insight into the way the industry works uh from your perspective you know and just how honest you guys were and the kind of discussion you had about it is exactly the kind of thing that you know uh we don't get from the regular magazines you know nowadays from jenkum for instance you get these great interviews like your interview like mark johnson's interview like jerry sue's you know which give uh, everyday skaters like me uh, and especially insightful for me because I'm trying to teach the course an eye into the industry. Yeah. Um, you know, but the podcast and and particularly the episode you did with uh, with Ryan Gallant was was excellent for that. So I'm going to assign it in place of reading for my students. Uh, I don't think it's unreasonable to uh, ask them to spend an hour and 15 minutes listening to a podcast instead of, you know, doing the same amount of time reading something. So definitely yeah. assigning that, man. That's awesome. Thank you. That's very cool, man. Um, that that's like give, makes me stoked that I do the podcast because that's like really cool to be able to share those thoughts and ideas. And it's cool, man. It trips me out. It, that's why I think everyone should do it. There, a lot of people have more information than they know they have. You know what I mean? So, um, there's a lot of people that just it seems scary. Like when I first did the podcast, I was freaking out, dude. The first like ten, I was so nervous every time. It's like. You get, you get better at it. You get comfortable at meeting people, and it just takes time. And then the more interesting the guests, the better. I wanted to yeah. get. I'm, we keep going off on tangents, but like I want to get. Yeah. I want to get to the course and some of those questions that you're asking. The the assignment you sent me, I thought it was so sick. I read it off at the skate park to some of the younger kids that were working, and I was like, oh. "This is a class that's being taught." And I read each one off to them, and they were like, "What?" That's it? Like, we could do that? I'm like, yeah, dude, someone's doing this right now. So let's get into that assignment, man. Yeah, that is the assignment I've put together on Josh Kalis's Epically Latered. 
Now, uh, just to stick very briefly with the topic of pros who give us some insight into the industry, I think Josh Kalis is one of the best at that, especially uh, Slap, in my eyes, has kind of gone downhill. But uh, a few years ago, he used to, like, get on Slap and really offer some insightful comments when people were having, you know, discussions about yeah. yeah. And uh, and also, I mean, he seems to be the same way on Instagram and stuff like that. So I just think that's another model of the way, you know, more pros could be. Yeah. So I he's, he's great. And that's part of the reason I picked his uh, epically later for an assignment that my students are going to complete over the course of the next two weeks. So cool. And um, so we've talked a lot. I used the first half of the course to kind of cover the mainstream side of skateboarding. We did a lot about when and why the X Games were founded and how action sports were delivered to the mainstream in the mid-90s, how Mountain Dew went from being known as a hillbilly drink that was, honest to God, advertised as the drink that'll tickle your innards. <laughs> advertised as the drink Oh, it will. They weren't lying. Right. <laughs> no, yeah, it certainly will. And uh, no, no, but it reinvented itself uh, with the Do the Do campaign and became, uh, you know, tried to become the um, soft drink of the action sports generation, if you will, yeah. and arguably has succeeded in doing so, you know, um, and totally reinvented the brand. And so I kind of tried to talk about the mainstream side of things first that they would be more familiar with. Yeah. And now that we're having an exam which uh, deals heavily with the X Games, and I'll take a look at the questions and kind of, uh, and also another uh, area of skateboard. So uh, we've talked a lot about the X Games and stuff. We've talked about snowboarding. In particular, we've talked about the U.S. Open and how that was a contest that was driven by Burton and by the riders more so than, for instance, the X Games, which is by an outside corporation coming in, offering, you know, action sports athletes money to show up, yeah. but organizing the contest for themselves, not having to pay for any TV rights or anything like that, like they do in other sports or like they do now with Street League. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so... Uh, we talked about that quite a bit. And another thing which I've really emphasized is uh, the difficulties for uh, female pros in skateboarding in comparison with snowboarding. And I, uh, we haven't really covered surfing as much, but I've made some generalizations that it's easier for female pros uh, in surfing. I've never uh, even but, thought of that. I've never even thought of that. I never thought that there was a difference between the two. That's that, but it it seems that way, huh? I'd have no, to. Oh, it's like, amazing. I mean, we we actually so they they uh, epically latered won't be totally new to them because we watched Alyssa Steamers epically latered in class because awesome. she is the only woman who's really followed the tradition. I mean, uh, pretty much the only one, or at least in some documentaries, they make the case that she's the only one who's really done the male pattern of like flow to am to pro mostly based on video parts and magazine coverage contests and stuff you know yeah, and actually sorry, have no boards sorry to cut you off but if you ask my generation i would say Alyssa steamer is the one that like did it you know what i mean like there's okay. more girls skating now i believe because you see it on TV a little bit and whatnot. And I actually, like, over the past few years, I've seen girls, like, come back to the park and, like, more girls come in. That's yeah. another, talking, getting off topic again, but going back to, like, the diversity side of skateboarding opening up, opening up again. I love that. Like, that's a big thing to me because I saw it. I hate when you go to the skate park and it's, like, 
there's someone there that's just like you can tell is just like not enjoying it you know what i mean like yeah. they're just trying way too hard that i was that person at one time you know what i mean but uh i think the more important part is the community side of skateboarding i think that's where we build it up you know like yeah because like regardless if there's a mainstream in skateboarding or whatever that shouldn't dictate like i guess what i was saying did i, I don't know if i said it on ryan's podcast was like no i've just been saying it lately with social media everything's free advertising's free nowadays yeah. So like when I first started in skateboarding, advertising wasn't free. You had to to even be on the same level as a brand. You had to pay for these magazines to put you in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now, so when people shops and all these people are complaining about, um, or not just shops, but whoever, when people are complaining about competing with massive, massive brands like Nike and stuff, I'm like, yeah, I get that they have huge budgets and stuff, but I mean you guys can do the same if not better even if they employ eric costin or whatever like any person any brand any shop can convey how awesome skateboarding is as good as anybody you know what i mean and you can do it for free with free advertising social media right i mean it sounds crazy to me as i say it but i mean it makes sense right no it makes perfect sense and what i would say is this really is that you know uh people are there's only so much we that people want to see uh, you know, Costin or whatever pro, not really talking about Costin here, but whatever pro, in the same California spots and everything else. You know, it gets boring, basically. So we have, uh, those of us who live in places that aren't there have the advantage that we can go out, find a new a spot that no one really has ever skated that's interesting, and then show it to, you know, the however, you know, maybe who knows, maybe it's 20 people or whatever on social media. But you do have the option of working harder and being more creative, you know, yeah. however small you are. And there's there are platforms to get it out there, you know, and if you work hard enough and you're creative enough, people will probably eventually take an interest, I'm sure. So, you well, know, um, that starts yeah. with a spark. That's what starts with the spark. It's like. Whether you're like I know I was pro when I started a brand or whatever, but even if you're not a pro and you're gonna start something, like people open up skate shops, right? Yeah. So it starts with a spark. Someone's got to be really hyped on skating and want to love it and open up a skate shop, right? So then you get that, and then you share that skateboarding awesomeness with everyone around you, and you, we all know how fast that multiplies. Like I've picked, like I I've shown people skateboarding or whatever, and they like, get one person skating. They're talking about it, sharing it with their friends. And then it's like you build this little community. And that's why I think that's the ground up approach that any skate shop should take. You know what I mean? Like, or any even a brand. It's got to be um, natural and organic. But that, that shouldn't affect, the mainstream shouldn't affect that. That's just like the feeling and joy of skateboarding, right? That's what you share. Like I've watched skate shops start with one person and build to have amazing community that built DIY spots that got skate parks built. And then they're having contests and then little kids are in it. Like, and then yeah. that's why the lessons are so important too. Like all that side of skateboarding shouldn't be affected by mainstream. I, I don't think maybe mainstream is teaching these kids to like value being jocks and stuff. But when I meet kids and stuff, I get them to power slide or I do something silly because yeah. I'm like, they, they, if you just don't let, if you have, if they have fun skating, they're not going to want to compete and be number one all the time. They're going to be like, that was too fun. I want to put my hands down and power slide around the park or butt ride or whatever. You know what I mean? So that yeah. that spreads. I mean, I don't. I, I'm still I'm still talking about the competition with the, you know, people with massive massive marketing dollars versus me. 
who works a nine to five, runs a brand, does a contest, teaches skateboard lessons, like all. So I just, I don't, I think everyone's equal, right? And actually, this is interesting. And to kind of return to the topic of my course, there is more in common between skateboarding and soccer. The other, actually, the first class I taught was the business of soccer. When I got back from doing my master's degree that I mentioned earlier in London, Yep. Now, I did it in soccer because I had gotten that internship just by chance, uh, dealing with soccer, and then I got the opportunity to get another visa. Were you, um, were you into soccer when you got this opportunity? Uh, yeah, I had recently gotten into it because I suffered a terrible snowboard injury, or not a, ter- sorry, not a terrible snowboard injury, but a Mediocre. emotionally, <laughs> an emotionally horrible snowboard injury because I had been riding really well or whatever for, you know, and really it was all I was doing because I wasn't going to school at that point, and I hurt myself with a couple of months, like, you know, kind of still in the spring, and we had been trying to film for this video and everything, so I was really bummed, and I ended up kind of sitting on the couch watching uh, the entire 2006 World Cup. And because I'd had this family in England earlier in my life, and actually that having that family in England had allowed me to skate places like South Bank and stuff, you know, when I was a lot younger, which was amazing. Legendary. Uh, Yeah. So I took an interest in soccer, and when I moved back to Dayton, Ohio, and uh, to finish school after I had gotten hurt snowboarding and at the end of that summer of 2006. And moving back here, I was still snowboarding a ton in the winter, but I wasn't. uh, And I was skating quite a bit, but not like, I don't know. I was also really into soccer, too. So anyway... Yeah, so... uh, Sorry to cut you off, but I used to play basketball. I used to fish. I was on two baseball teams. We won our championship for both. I used to box. Yeah. My, my dad taught me a little martial arts. This is all before I found skateboarding. But even now, I still like to play basketball. And me and my girl will play tennis. Uh, what else? Um, I don't okay. know. But I'm active. You're- I like to be active and move and do fun stuff. Like, once skating hit me, it just took over. But, I mean, that's not for everyone. I have tons of friends that, like, don't get to skate as much because they have other things that they're into, you know, which is sick to me. <laughs> Totally, totally. I was really into the soccer. Oh, there's more in common between soccer and skateboarding than you might think from a community perspective. Okay, right? that's that's a side so, I'd love to hear about. Yeah, so, you know, with these English soccer clubs and soccer clubs all over the world, uh, it, going to the game is very different from a sporting event in this country. Here we go, buy a hot dog, basically sit there. Uh, tons of advertisements are jammed down our throats, you know, and it's pretty boring and maybe you leave uh, after you're sick of the overpriced beer or whatever. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of American sports, clearly. Um, <laughs> but soccer over there, you as a fan are completely involved in uh, the two 45-minute halves. There's 15 minutes in between where you may have time to pee and get a beer, uh, usually one or the other, not both. And, uh, you know, and you basically show up at the ground, the stadium, five minutes before the match starts. The fans sing throughout songs that everyone in the stadium knows that are affiliated with their clubs. In one corner of the stadium is a section of away fans who are in their own dedicated area. So they're singing their uh, own songs, you know, in competition with the home fans. So it's all about the community and experiencing the thing together. So there's a lot more parallels there with skateboarding than you might think. Yeah. Now, 
And, and when it comes to the idea of big corporations coming in, this has become a huge issue for soccer, really along the same timeline that it has for, that it has for skateboarding. Uh, around 1992, and, or the late 80s and early 90s in particular, English soccer was transformed. And now you can watch the Premier League, the main league from England, yeah. um, pretty much anywhere in the country on any Saturday morning, or anywhere in the world, I'm sorry, on any Saturday morning, relatively easily. You know, it's everywhere. It's the biggest league in the world. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's undergone, it's had a lot of corporate involvement, you know, from the early to mid-90s in the same way that skateboarding has. And the fans have resisted it, particularly in recent years, the takeover of their English soccer clubs by American owners. Yeah. Uh, who and historically the clubs were never designed to make money. Uh, it's kind of like you might say with a skater on skate brand when it first starts out. Maybe more, you know, it's not necessarily the guys who start it don't desi- start it to get rich. Start it so they can keep skating, not have to get a real job, uh, so they can employ some of their other friends, so they can skate with them and keep the same kind of schedule. You know, it's not always started with a profit motive at its core, yeah. and that was the same with soccer clubs for years and years and years, well, basically prob- hundred years. The problem. Until this- yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, the problem is that it's like um, you. Uh, the thing about business is it's about growth. You know what I mean? So, so anything yeah. that's not growing seems to be dying, you know? So it's like there's certain brands that you just expect, you know, because they've outgrown all their territories. They've been in the game so long. They've done so yeah. much that they grow to a certain thing. You know what I mean? So th- those are the life cycles of the brand. So what you're saying with soccer is they're on several life life cycles maybe, like they've already been bought and sold. Or are the people owning the soccer brands now, are they still like the original owners? And they're selling? No, the big issue is that around the mid-90s, for the first time, the old English owners who had owned them basically, um, you know, for a 100 years and never really tried to make money out of them, they might have used it to advertise that they were the big guy in town, but it was always for their other businesses. You know, the soccer club itself was never a source of profit, primarily, or rarely, anyway, and... um, and basically, in from the 80s onward, increasingly, people have been trying to make more and more money out of soccer clubs. And it's become clear uh, that some clubs can be very profitable, and so they've attracted foreign owners who don't give who don't care at all about the tradition of community that the old owners had started for a hundred years. And in that way, it's a lot like skateboarding, right? And so when we talk about what a football club really is and when fans say you know my club is not a business that can be bought and sold I I teach my students that a football club really is the collective memories shared memories of all the people who love it right yeah that's really what the club is it's the stadium the gathering place uh, the memories of gathering together and singing those songs, the knowledge of the songs. Yeah. You know, you can't buy and sell that. That's what Manchester United really is, even though, you know, venture capitalists uh, from Florida own the club. You know, Manchester United is really the collective shared emotional experiences of all those people who have been in the stands at Old Trafford, their stadium, for 100 years. Well, you, know? you can't. You and that's can't. what skating is. You can't have that moment without all sides. So, like, if you neglect the fans, 
that's what's crazy to, as a business owner to like just hand your brand over for tons of money. Like it, it's a sketchy move, right? Because it, you, you know, like uh, I guess like a father would pass his his uh business down to his son, ideally, because his son would you know be under his guidance, and you would know the kid. You know, you know if he loves it, if he really dedicated, if he can carry on tradition. That's why I like certain brands that make a few life cycles, and you can tell that they're doing it the right way. You know, they re- they replace certain pieces and put the right people involved. I think that's something that big corporation brands are trying to do now too is employ the right people that actually care about skateboarding. Do you think that's uh, how they infiltrate it a little bit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I mean, hiring the right people, getting the right writers, et cetera. But, you know, on the one side, it is good that they have real skaters involved. On the other side, you know, you could say that they co-opted real skaters in order to get involved in the first place, you know. Yeah. Uh, trying time and time again, Nike finally was able to do it to get it right, to hire the right people, et cetera, you know. First, first things first, though, you can't have these moments without all sides. So you got you got to have the fans in there. You got to have the players. Someone owns the brand, right? So you got to have yeah. all sides. So. I don't know why you'd want to ruin the fan side. They could make the loudest fuss. They could ruin your whole business, right? <laughs> yeah, and in fact, the reason English soccer is getting more and more popular around the world is because people don't just tune in because it's the best soccer in the world. They tune in to consume the relationship that the English people have with the club. The uh, old hooligan idea, you know, the guys that used to go around fighting gangs from other soccer clubs, like if you've ever seen that movie Green Street Hooligans or whatever. Yeah, so, you know, that's part of what people are consuming, that history of loyalty. Right. And so if the owners of the clubs don't respect the tradition of the fans, they're ultimately killing the golden goose. And that's the same as skate brands. Like you'd say that some brands like DC perhaps now have overextended themselves, have gone so far from what they were from the core, gone too far in the mall that they've killed the golden goose, the original skaters that actually love DC, you know, and liked it. And so eventually when the people at the mall are ready to move on to the next fashion trend, uh, the company which had gone beyond, you know, its original core now finds itself in trouble. And that's happened to a lot of brands in skateboarding, like World Industries, uh, perhaps like, you know, Airwalk or Vision back in the day. And more recently, you know, Vision Streetwear, you talked about, you had that great video part uh, that came out for them, and then you thought they they were... um, you know, acquired by a different company, and then it was good night for the skate team. So, you know, um, it's, it's the problem is having the wrong kinds of owners and the wrong kinds of people in control and getting too far from the core like certain companies in skateboarding have done. So, well, But okay. there are a lot of parallels in soccer. It's basically my general point about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we discussed those in detail. Like, I can see the similarities for sure and the loyalty and the love and the passion and the moments, and it's like... That's a community, whether it's skating, soccer, whatever. It's like we all – that's another cool thing about skateboarding is that, like, it allows you to have a personality and be, like, whatever you want. It's, like, a lot more accepting now, and that's awesome. When you belong yeah. to something that everyone likes to do and you're accepted, like, that's a great feeling. Um, I was going to talk about – oh, fuck, we're so way off now. I don't even remember where I was. <laughs> oh, I was going to talk about World Industries because I'll give you more insight. World Industries was owned by uh, I can't remember the name uh, the name of the distribution right now, but um, they they actually weren't skater owned, you know, like we were talking about. 
But they employed people that were skateboarders, like Charlie Thomas, who used to ride for H Street, pro for H Street, legend, amazing dude. Like, I have endless respect for this dude. And then RP, he was the team manager. And then RP Best, photographer, worked at Duff's, like, all around one of the raddest people I know. He was the brand manager. So these dudes come and they want to start a skateboard brand. They want to, they got jobs to start a skateboard brand. So then they reached out to us, like me, Andrew Cannon, like, and they built this, like, sick-ass brand. And we had, we worked so hard, we could pick the graphics, like, we had say in the image, like, we are traveling, all this amazing stuff that brought everyone joy, and we got to share skateboarding with people. And then, um, then when things got a little rocky with the economy, and they, they tried to hang on, but at the end of the day, when it's owned by someone who doesn't skateboard and doesn't understand those feelings that we're describing about those moments, and about the push, and the joy, and all the stuff that we really care about skateboarding, it's not just numbers to us. Those dudes just make a business decision because it's just numbers to them. It's not the same. It's not the same. So, but that's what happened with World. And then it was like, it was kind of sad, you know. It was like, RP is my good friend, my boss. And he has to tell us all like, hey, man, like your checks are going to be gone. Like everything we've been working for as a team, like to try to make this brand awesome. And like everything we're building, because we shared, we shared laughs, cries, and everything, when you're on tour, like, I got vertigo at Mike Franklin's house, and he's my team manager, and he had to feed me and shit, like, for real, like, for two weeks, I couldn't get off the couch without throwing up, the dude had to, like, clean up after me, feed me, go to the grocery store, like, that's my team manager, you know, so then RP had to tell us, like, dude, this, we can't pay you guys, this is not going to be around anymore, that's it, you know what I mean, but I feel that if you're a skateboarder, like I am, I'm a fucking skateboarder core through and through and save my life. I'll start a brand, whether it makes money or not, and we'll have a great fucking time. You know what I mean? Because it brings all those things are worth investing in. Like they tell me, you know, skateboard, there's no money. There's no money for small brands or whatever, whatever, whatever. I don't care. I'll work a nine to five and put money into skateboarding. We'll keep growing this thing. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter to me whether it's a profit making thing or not. It's something worth cherishing and investing in. And I'll work my life to invest in it. You know, I invest in my uh, emotions, my everything, my whole life. It's in my life, so I, I feel I owe it that much. So I think that's the difference between the core and the mainstream, no? <laughs> At, uh, you couldn't have said it any better, man. And thank you, you know, and thank you to all the people who are doing it, even though it doesn't make money, who keep their companies going. It's crazy how many people are doing it, but how many people aren't talking about it? Like, I always love to share stories, and I love to connect and I think expression and art and beauty and all that stuff is so amazing and that's what makes us human and that's what separates us from the, the numbers, you know what I mean, is our feelings and how we see the world, our perspective. And it's like, I don't know why anyone doesn't want to share. We have all these beautiful tools, technology to, to connect and do cool things and share. It shouldn't have to be about profit. It should be other ulterior, all, all other motives behind it, you know, like genuine yeah. ones, real, genuine, honest shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, completely, man. You know, and it does... Come across in the product. I uh, watched Thrive Prosper rise for the first time recently, man, and it was, it was the skating was so good. Uh, I just, you know, I really, really enjoyed it. The whole kind of Beast Coast vibe, the way it was edited, just the, I don't know, it comes across in the product. You can tell when something's real and when it's made with uh, the kind of passion that real skateboarders have. Oh. And uh, you know, I'll tell you. Uh, if, if you don't mind my mentioning it, uh, there's a recent video out of Cincinnati by Instrument, if you've ever heard of that company. Uh -huh. um, it's called Nooks and Crannies, and uh, it's another video that, you know, it's a smaller company, but um, it gives 
I, it presents something in a side of skateboarding and, and produces a feeling yes. that I, the big production, and in particular, the one that's really irritated me lately, I have to say, um, is uh, the Plan B video, and I was not stoked on that in about a hundred different ways. So I watched it. I watched it, it, I watched it, it once. There, yeah, there's that's it, that's it. Period. And there's, uh, you know, there are so many alternatives out there, and they're coming from people that truly love skateboarding and may or may not be making any money, you know, by producing this content, producing these videos, by you know, maybe even by, um, you know, uh, from decks and stuff like that, and. Uh, you know, so it's great. There's something beautiful in the fact that, like, being able to put your friend's art on a skateboard is, like, pretty awesome. Like, just seeing that. Like, seeing someone create something from just an idea and then draw it and put it onto a skateboard. And then even to be able to sell it is, like, such a cool feeling. Because then it's like, I don't know, that just seems cool when people want something. That's, like, a cool thing to share, you know? Like, or they like something, they need something. They're like, this is awesome. And then when they appreciate you, appreciation goes so far. You know what I mean? beyond that that's why i like the whole social media thing too is like people can share a lot more too and express themselves and it's only going to get better and better like for sure i don't know do you guys talk about uh so you talk a lot about social media presence in your class like as, uh, as far as what's going on in the industry right now yeah that's again we sort of the first half has been more kind of historical and kind of the mainstream side of it and in the second half i'm uh, presenting more of a uh, career of an individual pro, uh, some more specific discussion of sponsorship and how that works. And in fact, uh, you know, it seems like a great opportunity. It would be stupid for me not to, uh, to investigate a skater's career other than yours, you yeah. know, after doing this podcast, or at least, you know, if we're going to, we'll probably look at a snowboarder, you know, a skater and stuff. So, you know, we'll likely look at the sponsors you've had and how it's worked for you and stuff. Because, you know, now you're doing the small thing. You've done World Industries, Zoo York. You've seen a company's change while you were on them. And that's actually a question. You know, we haven't, I haven't glanced once at this uh, big list of kind of ideas that I wanted to talk about and questions I have for you. But I, one question I did have was which company changed the most while you were on it and how? Um you know what I mean? How did you see the company from your perspective as a sponsored skater change while you were on it? And you've talked about it a lot recently with, you know, just now in our, what we've discussed tonight and also with World and also with, um, you know, with uh, Ryan in a more recent podcast. But that's well, one could, question. I, I could talk you. about Birdhouse for you because I, I, I don't really talk about Birdhouse much. I know, of, but Birdhouse was uh, similar. It was in Blitz Distribution when I wrote for them. Which was Pear Willander, a freestyle dude. Uh, cool, cool dude, man. I'd actually like to say what's up to him again. But it was, uh, Baker, Birdhouse, um, a clothing brand that I cannot remember the name of. Which isn't a good sign, but <laughs> I actually like their stuff, so. But it was all these brands. Jeremy Klein was there too with hookups. He was doing, I believe, Birdhouse graphics at that time too. Um, but when I first got there, that my there was a dude that had his team manager job, and uh, when I got there, they were looking for a new team manager. They got rid of him, and they were looking for a new one. So then I had Shane. They they, I Donnie went over there. Donnie Barley got sponsored by Birdhouse. They were switching stuff up. They invited me over. Donnie hit me up and was like, "You want to ride for Birdhouse?" I was like, "Dude, that seems amazing!" Like Tony Hawk traveling, skating, like yeah. sign, sign me up. I was riding for Fibro, and it wasn't an easy decision because Fibro core core like steve rodriguez loves skateboarding and that man like 
basically took me from the projects and like he brought me to Japan and like them I owe that man like I owe him a lot. He, he's and he deserves it. He's the man. So and Fibro is sick. So I had to quit that to birdhouse because i was able to get paid you know what i mean i was like all right and i was like i really want to try to do this like why not you know what i mean there i have a chance so i did it and uh yeah and then eventually we brought our friend seamus over and uh when he came over we were like let's get westgate and susky so those dudes came over as well so we had two different teams at once basically because there was the pre-existing team and then we came in so then it was like you had to mesh you had to figure it out you know what i mean Willie Santos was on, um, Matt Ball, Sean Eaton, John Goman, who's amazing. He rides for Slave. Um, uh-huh. And it was crazy, man. It was a crazy mix, man. We talk. I think we talk about some of the wild stories like back in the day. But that was like a crazy scenario to be in. You know what I mean? And then yeah, to go from – how we went from Birdhouse to New York was crazy too because Seamus knew our homie Nardelli, who we know from Fibro, and Nardelli was working at Zoo at the time. And he and him and Seamus kept in touch, and they were like, "Look, we want all four of you dudes, like me, Susky, Westgate, and Seamus, to go to New York." And yeah. like, that was another time where we had to go because there was already a team there, and we had to like mesh in with another team. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, there's like sponsorship changes in block, and so obviously that has a much bigger effect than just one skater coming in and out, you know, occasionally. And the reason that was happening is because of the kind of bigger. Um, you know, corporate involved, the kind of changes in the industry which weren't in skaters' hands. Right? Yeah, exactly, and exactly. So no, it, it's really interesting, man. It's uh, and one of I just love how uh, willing you are to share this stuff because this is the kind of stuff that we don't get anywhere else. So yeah, I've been doing show uh, such a great listening. I have to say, I was like when I was young, man. My dad taught me to have ambition, and he taught me like to work hard and. uh then, like, all the stuff I've been through in life, it just built me up as, like, a survivor. Like, because I've seen, like, some pretty dark stuff. and Oh, yeah. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like, I've been to some places that I've come back from and survived, and I'm like, this is amazing to me. Um, So I've, I have, like, a natural, like, hustler's uh, mentality. Like, and they, I don't mean hustler in a bad way. A lot of people oh. think that's a bad way. But I mean, like, in a hustle to survive. Like, when, when shit gets down to, like, the darkest moment and you don't know what's going to happen or like anything like not just bills but just you know when you like i've been to the point where i'm like i don't even know if i want to be on this planet like yeah that's a shitty shitty place to be and i don't wish that i don't wish that upon anyone and i've been to those places at a young age and i grew past them and survived i hung on to silver linings and i found them and, and uh but that's like that gives me all the confidence in the world like everything else is a cakewalk compared to that you know what i mean like talking about money and worries and all this stuff it's like i have all those feelings but i know i can survive them and i've been hit a few times as far as like life hits you you know what i mean like it'll happen to some people early so it'll happen to you when you're old it's like that's the nature of life you know what i mean like sometimes you're up sometimes you're down so that's another thing about the whole community thing man i I love i like that we're talking about the industry and stuff i just want to keep talking about community but like that's so important because if you have a healthy community of people around you that are also striving to do cool things and create art and beautiful stuff and everyone's on the same page, like, man, you guys are unstoppable. That's like a beautiful thing, you know? That's like a family and you're not even related. You could just have a community of people that care and look out for one another and like yeah. skating needs more of that too because when the money came in, people's priorities changed quite a bit, you know? It's like we need to get back to the community if we're going to build this up and have skaters like create real, you know what I mean? Like, there can be tons of kids loving skateboarding again. We just have to do the work, you know? 
Yeah, totally. And from what I know of your story, I mean, uh, skating really was your family in a big way, right? Like in your teenage years. So yeah. no wonder you're completely dedicated to giving back to it. Obviously, it, you know, it uh, saved you. It gave you what you have. So it gave me, more importantly, it gave me the happiness. It taught me how to be happy. It gave me a it taught me how to live life in a rewarding way, not financially, none of that shit. It just taught me to to appreciate like it humbles you like skateboarding is so amazing and it's like that was the one that was the vehicle i chose like maybe later in life i'll get into more stuff and i am starting i'm actually starting to get into different stuff now like i did the float tank and i'm doing a podcast like i know i'm basing it all around skateboarding but it's just like that's my life still so i'm submersed in it and i just want to share it but um I love I love it, dude. I-, I I think everything, and I like that you're doing the class. That's so cool. That's like I've always admired my brother because he teaches and he's just like a real thoughtful person that's educated and reads and like he like wants to like learn all about everything. And to me, that's like fascinating. That's that's beautiful. It's the same thing I like to do with skating. I want to keep expanding and learning new motions in my body and learning new tricks and like pushing my limits. And it's a different intellectually is similar you know what i mean that's why i'm i like paying attention and shit <laughs> yeah. not, class wasn't always good for me to do that but i always search out inspiration or I always, yeah. like i'll read like when i see stuff i'm like this is interesting like holy shit you know and i actually pay attention like i think that uh that's a good fucking quality to have yeah it's no, no, like you're doing it, man completely man thank you um the uh i it, another question I had for you, which I'll go back to something you said a minute or two ago, is uh, you mentioned, you know, you're, you learned how to be a hustler and not in a bad way, but you learned how to hustle, you learned how to do things for yourself, you learned, you know, a work ethic because you had to, right? And uh, a question I had for you, if you're willing to, if there's anything I am, I am. to say about it, <laughs> is um, what, you know, the kind of, response that you got one of the things that we've talked about in our class a lot is how you know mainstream sports one thing that differentiates action sports is that they're not based on competition yeah you know? so that's one of the main things that we say differentiates action sports from mainstream sports which are I more competition about results um you know and uh so i wanted to ask you about you've mentioned in the past how people used to vibe you or whatever because you were working too hard maybe uh to get sponsors or you know working too hard to uh, i don't know maybe it came up like you were practicing or training when it only looks cool to skate for fun and to not worry about sponsors or whether or not you're going to be able to get free product or, you know, get paid for skating or whatever. But obviously, in your situation, it was a necessity for you. Uh, but if you'd be willing to talk about that dynamic anymore, uh, that area, I think, is really interesting. And it relates to how we've been talking about, you know, how competition is and as important in skating. I, I 100 agree, man. And as I get older, too, it's like, I think uh, something that skateboarders always have in their head, like, and maybe I had it to an extreme like for me skating was literally my therapy and like that's what i needed to do to like work through my issues because that was the one thing that i could get like i could grasp onto that that was the one thing that i knew was like truthful and honest and i was going to do that so that's what i had I, in school i was depressed i was sad i couldn't even like pay attention because i was i was like on the edge of tears you know what i mean like i had home life shit that like my mom's in the basement like smoking crack and like my dad's gone so yeah. that to be like that, I already was unstable, like, as a human being, you know what I mean, like, 
talk about being sad and depressed. So going to school and having to be like in structure and I see all these kids that are like, they're just like comfortable. So they are free, more free with their words and they don't ha- understand, you know? So yeah. to go through that and like, I, so I'd be really annoyed all day because I just see shit that I'm like, fuck, this is like alienating, fucked up. You know what I mean? They don't even need, they don't even know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even their fault. It's just life. I just, life can be brutal and it happened to be for me at a young age. Yeah. And the one thing that was for me was skateboarding. So I clung on to that and I was like, I want to live this dream no matter what. Like, I know all the corny cliches, like what's 50s album, Get Rich or Die Trying. I'm not trying, I wasn't trying to get rich or die trying, but I really, I had moments where I wanted to pass away. I wanted to not be on the earth. I was like really depressed. So I had a mentality that was like, if I'm going to be here, I want to do something I love. I want to, I want to be, I want to have a beautiful life. You know what I mean? Like, whatever it is. And for me, it was skateboarding. I was like, I want to do this. So amazing. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. What was your original question? <laughs> Shit. Uh, okay. My original question was about how you used to get vibes sometimes for oh. like, trying too hard. Yeah, so I did try extremely hard. I did. Like, I did. I didn't, like, and to me it wasn't, skating wasn't always fun. Like, it wasn't. It was just like, I'm trying to force it. I felt pressured. I felt like I had this expectation on my shoulder. Like, I don't know. It was issues I had in my life that weren't, it wasn't about financial it wasn't about competing. It was just like, I really wanted to be on this level and nothing was going to stop me. Not even my own emotions. Not even my own life that keeps kicking. You know what I mean? Like, keeps fucking dealing with fucking shitty cards. Can I tell you or ask you, sorry, to get, this is really interesting to me. I love it. Do you Go ahead. think that manifested itself in the way you skated? For instance, you used to skate much more aggressively, like a lot of big gaps big rails you had a much more aggressive style and i know style has changed the way people dress has changed and stuff and that has an effect too but also your skating is more relaxed now yeah. right you know a lot more controlled less you know less hectic less chaotic yeah. so do you think the way you were the way you wanted it and where you were in your life and whether or not you were at peace with yourself came out in your skating and it sounds like i answered my own question but oh, go ahead. You're, you're absolutely right like and it's funny that you say this because the dudes i looked up to skated aggressively they're big dudes and the powerful aggressive gnarly drops like i like yeah, but also you must have liked uh donnie barley and kind of east coast powerhouse style right of course of course yeah. fast and like charge it like fuck it like um Fibro kind of would do that. They'd be like, fired up! They'd yell that at the demos. Fired up! And Nardellian, those dudes would just like whack the beehive and you'd be like, go and shred and everyone just get it in while you can, you know? Um, but absolutely, dude. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Like I tell, I had some kid recently, a young kid like on social media or some shit, like tried to call me out and say I wasn't real and I like got really, like I was like, this is so corny and cliche. But I wanted to talk to him, and I saw him offline. I caught him at the skate park, and I was like, look, dude, like, everything else is fine. You can have opposing opinions and all that, and I can too. I love personalities and expressions. We all ain't got to be the same. But you just call me not real, and I'm like, I'm probably the only real person you know. I put it all out there. Like, I really put my emotions, my heart, every interview. Like, I'm a real person just because I have to be. Like, that's how – I have no humility. Like, humility is a good thing. I, yeah. Like, 
like, uh, sorry to cut you off, but maybe he could have criticized you for sharing too much. Yeah. You know, like, what if he said, if he said you used your story of hardship to help your place in skateboarding or something, maybe, you know, I, I'm not making that criticism, but that would at least be a valid point. But to say you're not real is, a, or could <laughs> be a valid point, you know what I mean? Or yeah, be, absolutely. Or, it's ridiculous. You know, because it is part of who you are as a skater. Yeah. Part of what I know about you as a skater is your life story. As a consumer of skateboarding, as a fan of skating, part of what I know when I watch a part is, of yours is what you came from. Where You know what I mean? That, was a, that was a conscious decision because I couldn't always win contests. I couldn't even be emotionally. like Skating to me was on my own time and with my own friends, and we would do it in a certain way, and it was fun. And then like to compete with someone is weird. Like When you don't have a session with people and it's like, you just had you get isolated. Like I, I've lived a lot of different places and had to move a lot of different things. But um, so competitions for me never paid out. And that was like to stay in skateboarding. They try to like when it's non-skater brands, they're like you got to do these certain things, you know. But to me, I was like, fuck it. If I'm gonna be unique and special in skateboarding, I'm gonna tell my life story because I'm gonna go at my own pace with skating. This was a conscious decision. Like I learned this shit. It took time. You know what I mean? So young, I'm like doing everything I can and what I think would help me move forward, you know, with skating and keep the money coming in and living this, like, skating lifestyle, and I get to indulge in something I completely love, like, yeah. and that brings me joy, and I got to share it with people. That was one thing I was like, I got to make sure I share this, because, like, I'm so blessed to have it, I got to share it with anyone. And most, like, the cool thing is most little kids are really good at sharing, and they're awesome to skate with. They're my favorite, for sure. Um, But, yeah, I mean... My skating has changed, man. I, I've I've grown up. Like I keep learning, and I'm pushing my limits on. You know, I, I accept responsibility. Like I just realized that we're the adults. You said you're 30. I'm 32, and I realized that like that's an a fucking adult. Like that's an adult. Like yeah. I still feel like I'm 12, but that's an adult. So when I when you think about when you're 13 and the 30 year olds are making the decisions, and especially in this new economy and the way things are, they kind of were like, we don't know what the fuck's going on. Here's a bunch of technology. Figure out an economy with it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, uh, so, so like no one knows what's going on. You know what I mean? And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to like make a stand. I'm going to be 32 and I'm going to fucking just whatever. You know what I mean? Like I made this set when I was younger too. I was like, I'm the ghetto kid. Like I have issues. I'm going to work through them, but I'm going to share it. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure it's my life to work through it. Sharing it and being honest about it has probably been part of working through it for Dude, you. Dude, it's been tremendously to know that I wasn't alone. Like that's the hard. That's part oh, yeah. of the reason I didn't want to be here because I felt so isolated. I had the weight of the world on my shoulder as a kid. That and I'm not the only one. I know I say I talk about my life story and it's very personal to me. It's my experience, so I have to speak about it. I can't dare tell you a story. I don't read enough. Maybe there's a book I could read and be like, oh, I read about this amazing story of the dude. Like. I got to share it with you. But for me, it's my honest experience in life. So I got to share it. But I know there's thousands and thousands of kids out there that grow up the same way I did. And I know how dark it can get. And that's why I always love Tupac's music. You see my board back there, right? The yeah, board. yeah, absolutely. That was my first pro model. I have it tattooed on me. The rose that grew through concrete. And that, that like, talk about reading books or poems or other expressions. Like, that's a poem on Tupac's album. You know what I mean? And that just, like... It was so simple. I'm like, life is simple. You just got to grow no matter what. You know what I mean? You just keep growing, you know? So that's why I love hip-hop, too. Another expression as well. Like, um, But, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That Skateboarding is that to me. I can talk about skateboarding forever. I don't know where I'm going, but... <laughs> yeah. 
No, no, it's uh, no, it's so interesting, man. Uh, there are, um, you know, so I, kind of the way where that question came from is whether you know whether or not your the way you are in life comes out in your skating is yeah. because I am self, I myself, you know, nobody cares about my skating, so I'll be brief. But I myself <laughs> am thirty. I just got married, and you know, things are going well with class. I'm teaching the soccer class. I have a new one. You know, it's long been an aspiration of mine. When I did the soccer masters, I did my dissertation on street league yeah. because it was starting in 2010, and I saw that they were using the revenue sharing and salary. Well. Uh, various uh, economic devices from mainstream sports, I was able to write my paper on how the skaters had kind of, in a way, taken control of ESPN, who always controlled the TV rights and stuff, because they were putting on the contest before, and now the skaters were saying, we're putting on the best street contest there is, and selling the rights you know, for you to have it on your TV channel and then distributing the money from selling those TV rights amongst all the skaters in the way that all the owners in the NFL get part of the money from selling their TV rights, right? Yeah. So at least that was the crux of my paper. And, um, you know, so uh, that was, uh, so I was able to write about skating then. But where my question came from is uh, just because I just got married myself and, um you know, I'm teaching a couple classes and feeling very at peace, you know, with how things are going in my life. And it's expressing, I think it's visible in my skating, you know what I mean? I'm skating less hectically, more relaxed, learning a lot faster than I normally would. It's like, know, it's, so. funny, it's funny how like, um, understanding yourself and understanding like, um, self-reflection is so important. That's the one thing I say to people all the time is like, I have no fear of a mirror, like, I did a float tank recently, the sensory deprivation tank, and whenever I tell people, they're like, and even I did, I said, I'll probably freak out. You know, yeah. I, I was like, because it seems scary. You're isolated, none of your senses, you're floating in a tank, you're like, no gravity, like, it's so just you. You gotta face yourself, you know, like, but I think that's like something that we as Americans and maybe the world or whatever, and the technology, all that is, is like mirrors, you know, it's a reflection, you know, people are starting to get it. You can see people's etiquette when social media and all that shit came out, you're like, Whoa, they don't get that people know that's them and they're writing that. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, but like as you get older, it's like it's a mirror, it's reflection, reflection. But that um yeah, I think that's a good quality to have. I think transparency is beautiful. Um Yeah. It's a good thing if it's a organic. Um Yeah. I wanted to ask you, now that we're like going back and forth between interviewing you and I'm you're interviewing me. I uh, hope that's all right. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. It's, it's, it's it makes for, I have a lot of stuff we won't get to, don't worry. It, it makes for a good conversation and a greater podcast, so I like oh, it. Totally. Thank you. Um, genuine interest. Um, what I seen how do you personally feel about skateboarding in the Olympics? Let me let me let me yes. preface this by saying that I don't I really don't know how I feel about mainstream coming into skateboarding, like whether it's the Olympics or Street League, like I like you have some con you have some concrete um uh opinions and I like that. It's like you got an opinion, it's cool to hear. I don't really know how I feel cuz I'm just like I don't know enough, you know? Like I don't being honest. How do you feel about the Olympics and skateboarding? Okay, let me can I just make a few kind of different points around the issue and then yes. I'll 
try and draw a conclusion. One thing that occurred to me when I was watching Slopestyle, which was in the Winter Olympics for the first time in the most recent one, you know, the snowboarding contest where they're not just in the half pipe, they're hitting the jumps and the rails also, you know, going down the run. Yeah. That's the slope style event. Pretty safe. Uh, that was in, yeah, that was in the Olympics for the first time, right? Yeah. And of course, there were stairs constructed under the rails to mimic urban snowboarding on the street, you know, which is actually the side of snowboarding that I was most into, you know, when I was really into snowboarding, the stuff that looks like skating, etc. But anyway, it struck me immediately watching this that these companies that are sponsoring the Olympics, Visa and whoever, you know, whatever companies, would have an absolute fit if we were in front of their corporate offices on a snowy day, you know, getting ready to uh, shred down their handrails. Hypocrisy. And, you know, we might get arrested. We certainly, you know, there are everybody, skaters know all about dealing with security and cops and whatever. So the fact that we have these essentially illegal acts being put on for money, but then if you went and tried to actually do the thing, you know, uh, it's illegal. So, you know, we're calling this an Olympic sport, yeah. but it's essentially illegal is to me outrageous. And so there's one crazy contradiction about having skateboarding in <laughs> the Olympics. It's illegal, man. You know, and some uh, in a recent podcast or interview I read somewhere, I've been reading so much stuff, so I apologize to uh, whoever said this because it was very wise. Um, but they made the point that skateboarding, uh, the, the skateboarding is not a crime is like the stupidest, whiniest, sissiest uh, motto that anyone ever had. Skateboarding is a crime. That's ridiculous. Like going around saying skateboarding is not a crime isn't going to get you anywhere. We need to say skateboarding's a crime and that's absurd and show you why, you know, and uh, get rid of the kind of litigious liability driven uh, rules that keep us from, you know, having a true modern use of our public spaces where p young people and uh, people who skateboard and people who do other things can take advantage of these spaces that capitalism has created that aren't occupied by anything else. You know, the reason that people don't, the primary reason, some would argue, that people don't, that skateboarding is illegal and stuff is, uh, you know, well, there's one side of it, the destruction of property, but also it's occupying spaces in these urban areas, but not participating in the economy of the surrounding area. You know, everyone else who's downtown is either going to work or buying something, you know, with the exception of perhaps like the homeless and stuff. The skateboarders will spend all day downtown, but, you know, maybe you're buying a 99 cent uh, slice of pizza and a couple of Gatorades or something okay. like that. Still but you know what I mean? We're not participating in the economy in the way that people who are going to a banking job are or whatever. You know, the people who are going to work in the buildings around Love Park are participating in the economy of downtown Philadelphia in the way, arguably, that skaters aren't, at least in the eyes of some. So I think that's part of the reason it's opposed. But the fact that capitalism has, like, created all these spaces that are essentially empty and should be occupied and put to some kind of artful and creative use, yeah. you know, uh, means that uh, skateboarding as a practice should be more understood and more accepted, you know. And also, I think I do I, – I'm really nice – 
to people when I'm out skating street. And, you know, I watch some behind-the-scenes stuff of you, like from some all-I-need stuff, and I notice that with civilians and people who are kicking you out of spots, you're like, hey, oh, I'm really sorry. When would be a better time for me to come back? Is there a security guard who you think might be more lenient? Uh, when do you guys change shifts? You know, you're really mannerly and stuff, and that goes a long way in terms of uh, affecting the way that skateboarders are perceived in the world. And, you know, there's no uh, – and, and not being that way has a negative collective effect on the way that skateboarders are perceived and ultimately produces less places to skate, more hostile reception when you go to a spot, you know. If more and more skaters are nice and mannerly and stuff and dealing with other people, when you are skating street, street skating will become more accepted. They'll kick you out less often if you're smiling and you're kind and you move aside when they're walking up, you know, and you make, you know, so... And I noticed that you seem to have that philosophy, too. From I do, I do because I like... Stuff when you're filming. I do because it's like, the object of that day is to have a good day. Like, a lot of the times, it's like, we're driving to Boston, all of us, and we're, like, excited to go to Boston. So it's like, the object is to have a good day overall. Like, yeah, we want to get clips, yeah, we want to do all this stuff, like, whatever. But the object of our day starts with, let's just have fun. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, such an important thing. And then when you were out in, like, I mean, that manners, I don't know where I picked that up. But <laughs> I haven't really thought about that. I think, because I didn't always have manners. I was young, and I would get angry that people were, like, when I'd be out skating and shit, they'd instantly look at you. Like, back in the day, it wasn't so accepted. So people had preconceived notions or thought I was rude or whatever. You know what I mean? And yeah. then I just want to, I just think it's point, we could just, it's important, important to just, understand your surroundings and learn how to like move amongst it without conflict you know i think that's really important i learned that with my mom and like just dealing with stuff like that the police would come to our house and like i lived in the project so you had to like be careful what you say and how you said things and like dealing living with people at it when i was a young age and you had to live with people that have addiction problems um some about that is like the side effects, you know, like yeah, it's fucked up. Like sometimes well, you probably learned how to deal with the authorities because your mother couldn't, right? Yeah, exactly. So you were acting like the adult in the situation, so I'm sure you learned how to treat the guys respectfully because you didn't want them hauling your mom away or whatever. You know, yeah, no, I don't want to get into it too deeply, but I mean, but it's important. That is important because that's where it stems from. That's how I learned that lesson. So to me, that's important. It's like. That is it. That's it. You know what I mean? I even had crazier, complex ones where it was like kids in my school would sell drugs to my mom and then I would get into fights with them over money. And that's a crazy thing too. Like, no disrespect to my mom. I love my mom 100% and she has her plight and she's done a lot better and she's an amazing woman and like, but it's our truth. Our truth is something we gotta share. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. The only, like you were saying earlier, you were saying like, first, first step is to admit you have a problem. <laughs> I remember you were talking about, like, uh, we have a problem. Like, once you admit you have a problem, you can learn and grow from it, you know? Whether it's skateboarding or personal. <laughs> no, completely, completely. But it, it, it's a problem. It's a problem that they, that's a hip, it's hip, hypocritical that we can't enjoy our art and create our videos and skate around and it's still a fucking crime but we can like dance for you for money you know what i mean like you can do it in a box if you want like we'll give you a designated spot where you can do what you found and what you created you can do it in this fucking box 
<laughs> Sorry for swearing too, because I know you probably want to sh- share this with people. But oh no, no, it's just fine. Uh, okay. yeah, don't worry about it. I mean, my students are adults. That was one disclaimer I had to give on day one. I was like, listen, yeah. I'm not just going to show you the stuff that's produced by the mainstream about skateboarding and snowboarding, you know, uh, which I love. I'm going to show you the real shit. And, uh, you know, I well now I've done it too. Exactly. But uh, I'm going to show you the real stuff and. Um, you know, and there's no way I can kind of control the language in some of the stuff we'll watch. Like, you know, well, uh, I'm sorry, there might be a, and, and of course there's a maturity that goes with it. There's a lesson that comes from all of this. You know, I can turn around about any aspect and say, what does it mean about skateboarding that it's okay for a professional skateboarder to swear in public, but, you know, a mainstream athlete, the kind of scrutiny they're under, they couldn't. You know what I mean? So any aspect of it is can be learned from and can be studied. Absolutely. And, and the- so, you know, there's no... And to cut yourself off from stuff because there's, like, swear words in it would mean that, you know, you didn't study anything interesting about skating, so... Yeah. You know, or very little. <laughs> Yeah, and the way the way I resolve that that one in the beginning usually is like I'm like when you stub your toe, you're gonna say darn it. But like when your dog dies and then you get hit by a car too in the same day, fuck really works really well for that because there's a tra- like if we're free and we want to use words and be able to express ourselves, darn is not gonna work when I when that happens. You know what I mean? Like darn it is not where I'm feeling. Like I think honesty is a good thing in everything. Media like this whole world is like pretty 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 sugar-coated for some reason i don't get it but yeah. and it's cool that you have a class you can talk about all this stuff and share this stuff it's like this is the stuff that we should talk about especially developing minds you know what i mean you should have honest open conversations with people that are doing it and living it are 30 years 30 30 or 32 or whatever and like out there just figuring it out learning like these are the people that are intel you know trying so we should have more of these conversations. More people should do a podcast. <laughs> By the end of it, I'm hoping you'll say you're going to do a podcast. Uh, well, I'm seriously thinking about it, man. I've uh, really enjoyed it, uh, both this one and the last one. So uh, who knows? Maybe I'll I'll uh, find my my corner. You may you may reach more. You may reach a lot of ears that you know. Continue doing the skateboard podcast circuit, or at least I'll do that first, and then decide where I want to fit in. <laughs> Actually, I'd love to do like a segment where I went research something and then like you know i was given a topic or uh listeners could send in a question and i would kind of research an in-depth interesting answer you know something like that you know that wasn't you know that was 10 minutes yeah know, that's right on a, a show or your show or other you know what i mean so there's that kind of thing too i definitely want to keep talking to people because i'm really enjoying it yeah that that's there, actually that's a genius idea that's a genius idea man because it doesn't have to be like a full-time thing it could be something that you're still sharing but it's not taking up all your time and it's quick and easy and it's still like sharing like you know you know what i love to do this is gonna sound so silly but uh (laughs) i love to look up words like when i hear a word i know this sounds so stupid but i love like when i learn a new word like and i look up the actual definition or sometimes i'll be out and we'll be hanging and i'll be like I'll I'll hear someone use a word and I'm like, do you know what that means? Like, let's look that up. Let's know what the exact definition of this word is. You know, like uh, that's kind of what I'm picturing when you're talking about. You could do a 10 minute segment where you're like, you take something and you just fully go in depth about it. Like, oh, this yeah. is what it is. That's what it is. That's a genius idea. 
<laughs> no, no, in its own way. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those uh, Jeff Grosso's love letters to skateboarding about, like, how certain tranny stuff got started. It's a series, like, bands. I've seen stuff, it before, but, but I don't think I've watched yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a historical thing, but in its own way, he kind of uh, he kind of does that. Um, That's rad. You know, kind of goes really in-depth into uh, a certain issue through his own kind of you know, his own kind of lens, uh, Grosso lens, which is interesting. But, uh, yeah. But anyway, if, if you don't mind, could I, uh, I'll, I'll return briefly to the issue of skateboarding in the Olympics because it's so damn interesting. Yeah, please do. Listen to this. So, uh, we haven't really fully dealt with it yet, which we will in class. We've dealt somewhat with snowboarding in the Olympics, but we're going to have a really serious go at it. Do you know the uh, history? Do you know the history with them trying to get it in the Olympics? Because I know nothing. Uh, I mean, I have uh, more of an idea. I mean, I have some a uh, decent idea about it. I have a better idea after I teach this particular lecture. I mean, I know about it because I've read about it a lot because I'm interested in it. I'll know a lot more after I put together that actual presentation. But if they you have tried? They have tried um, to get it in the Olympics? Yeah. Well, actually, what kind of the trajectory was this skateboarding part of the issue with sports that are going into the olympics and this happened in snowboarding is that snowboarding didn't have a recognized governing body so fis the skiing governing body tried to um or snowboarding entered the olympics under the auspices of skiing like as if snowboarding were a discipline of skiing and there was one point when skateboarding would have entered the olympics potentially as a discipline of bicycling because <laughs> skateboarding's own governing body wasn't organized as a response to this accepting the inevitability that skateboarding is going to be in the olympics there uh, there's a group of skateboarders who formed a governing body to represent skateboarding properly. Why? Why you know, would you so do that? that? So it's that for profit, well, you believe? Well, no, they have done it because if they don't control it, skateboarding will go into the Olympics and it won't be controlled by skateboarders. So it's like, you know, um, yeah, they'd rather at least have control of it because it's going to happen anyway. Is the argument anyway. The lesser of two evils. Yeah, the lesser of two evils. Like, if it's going that way, at least let us dictate kind of how it's presented, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's one thing that, uh, at least like in interviews and stuff, Tony Hawk always stresses how he has uh, made sure that when he deals with any of these corporations that he has the final say on how they present skateboarding. Like, you know, and he always uh, says that, and hopefully that's the case and everything else. But it's kind of that same idea that's, uh, cause them to get together and form this governing body. And some quite unusual people or unlikely suspects are have endorsed it and agreed with it, uh, one being Dave Carney, you know, the big brother writer. Yeah, Dave Carney. He's so anti, as anti-corporate as it gets, but he's basically said, you know, if uh, it's going to happen anyway, at least we want skateboarders in control, you know, and Tony Hawk and there are others involved. And... Um, you know, but uh, so they have like taken control of it. And that's a similar thing to what happened with snowboarding in some ways. But do I think do I want definitely if I were to talk about whether or not I want skating in the Olympics, uh, clearly. Oh, and I guess I should go further and say that Rob Deerdeck has now or sorry, I'll be more specific. Street League 
uh, has, or less specific, I suppose, Street <laughs> League has uh, partnered or at least has an affiliation now with this new governing body, which has effectively paved the way for, you know, this is a way that we could judge skateboarding in an Olympic context that makes sense, uh-huh. you know. Um, and so the idea would be that in whatever Olympics 2020 or, you know, some number of years, I think 2020 is the most uh, likely or perhaps it's off the table for 2020 and then it's 2024. I need to look at this stuff. That's so far in the future. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that's one of the things about it, you know, and, and one of the arguments these guys would make uh, who have formed the governing body to control you know, from within skateboarding to control how it's represented is that, like, it always seems like it's never going to happen, but if we don't rise up and make sure that we control how it happens, one day we'll get there, and all of a sudden skateboarding's being represented in a way that we hate, you know? Well, so is th- that's what I'm wondering. Like, that that would be the most crucial part, because when I think of the skateboarding on the Olympics, I think of, like, one discipline from skateboarding. Like, you know how in the, I don't know, I yeah. feel like, a downhill luge is like one discipline, you know what I mean? Or like, how, I wonder how you could even portray it where uh, everyone could have a chance. It would have to be a certain, like, I don't know how to not turn it into something that's uniformed and like communist <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I feel very, very uncomfortable about street skating in the Olympics. In fact, I never want to see it in the Olympics. And I don't it's, it seems it. like it's contradictory. It seems like it's going to happen, but I don't really, you know, I don't agree with it. If skateboarding is going to be in the Olympics in some form or fashion, I think the way that is reasonable would be either vert or perhaps a park discipline in the way that they do the X Games thing, but that's how do you judge that? It's about flow, speed, lines. So maybe the only thing uh, ideally, if it's going to happen in some form or fashion, please be vert and only vert and judge it like snowboarding and have it be this weird separate world like it is in snowboarding. Like, like I never had anything to do with a half pipe or like training or sharp edges when I was snowboarding. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would get the snowboard out of the whatever the new snowboard. I'd take a file and grind the edges off and then go and like bonk a trash can and slide down you know a wooden rail or whatever so there it's just like skating where there are two completely different sides or maybe even more than two you know worlds within the sport and if skating's going to be in the olympics please just be vert and let it be its own weird no, let it be the make it already is you know there's these vert contest pros that don't have pro models they don't have pro decks they're not traditional pros and maybe it's through no fault of them i'm certainly not blaming the guys who skate that way they're amazing yeah but it already is its own thing like they're not doing the traditional the the you know they're not getting paid because they're producing video parts and having exposure in thrasher and trans world and whatever yeah. you know it's because they're doing this contest thing which is for a different audience we might argue a tv audience rather than the same guys who are watching polar edits or whatever yeah, yeah the best the best would be the mega jump like, Bombquist should have a gold medal in the Olympics, in my opinion. Like, already. Just give it to him. The first year, 2020, 2025, just have everyone show up just for the pageantry. But just give it to Bob Burnquist because, like, Dreamland and all the crazy stuff that he's done. Like, they should do that stuff in the Olympics. It'd be beautiful. You'd hit, like, the people that just want to watch it because it's crazy. And you'd hit people that like, like, Bob Burnquist. Like, someone with that diversity and, like, does it in a cool way and, like... Why not? That would mean street skating seems to even have Olympics without doing something. It would have to be like street league, right? 
It'd have to be... A yeah, pitch. and that's not street skating. You know, there is a great quote. It's and not, I'll yeah. Up. You know, there is a great quote from this. I'm in, so in conjunction, I'm doing this Josh Kalis epically later assignment, and they have to answer a bunch of questions about it. Uh, some of which are like, for example, Deer Deck appears a lot in Kalis's ep- episode of Epically Later. So I want them to explain how it's different seeing Deer Deck in this context than it is seeing him on MTV doing Fantasy Factory or in a mainstream context. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, and that's one of uh, about 10 sort of sides of it that I have going. But uh, also with that episode of Epically Later, I'm assigning this uh, podcast that uh, um, uh, called 99% Invisible. And uh, it's just excellent. Uh, and it's about Love Park and about street skating. Uh, and it's very much like uh, NPR style, kind of like This American Life, like really good, high quality talk radio. Sick, uh, I listened to that. But yeah, they come out with in this episode. You did listen to that? Yeah, I no, I didn't listen to that one, but oh. I listened to like NPR, so I kind of Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you definitely I'll uh, I'll send this right over to you. But they use this great quote. I've got to admit, part of me or at least the guy, the narrator, the host of the show, uh says this incredible thing, and that is, I've got to admit, part of me thinks these designated places to skateboard kind of miss the point. It's like running a marathon on a treadmill. It's not exactly the type of thing that'll get you on the cover of Runner's World. Even <laughs> it's so terrible. <laughs> I mean, great quote. And of course, we don't have street skating in parks uh, on the cover of Thrasher or Trans World or whatever. But, you know, it's such, it's, it's uh, a great quote and it gets to the core of this kind of issue. Even if street league skating or whatever ends up in the Olympics, it still won't be street skating. No. You know, and, and it just, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't work and I don't want to see it in the Olympics. Is it going to happen? Probably. It's funny because like, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's like, we're compet, we're competing over styles. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's competing over styles. Like, the problem with that competition thing is that, like, you should really only be in con competition with yourself. So it's like if, if um, say you have, like, a gold nugget in one hand, right? And someone walks up and snatches it from you. It's your own fucking fault, right? Because you, you weren't watching your golden nugget. You know what I mean? Like, you got to watch it. You got to protect it. So I get that rationality. I get why people want to battle out the style, like, street skating, street league. Like, it's like... People are doing the lines are blurred because of profit and money, and it's like they don't want the next generation. But that if you're going to be a core street skater and you want skate videos and you want you got to make the skate videos, you got to let everyone be invited into your world, and you got to and then you got to share that. You know what I mean? So it's like if we're not doing that, then skateboarding can get taken over because the real skateboarders that live it and love it aren't doing their fucking job. You know what I'm saying? Like. Oh, we should we're on the same playing field i feel like i just don't i don't that's where my confusion you know i was talking to the guy that runs the local skate shop here but it and it does also extend down to the skaters themselves need to do their job and that is this you know here we are in dayton ohio and it's probably really easy to sell polar and magenta decks in new york city you know i mean maybe not really easy or whatever i don't want to minimize how hard it is to run a skate shop anywhere but in places like that people are looking more for these small companies and to different things that identify with the way they skate but in middle america i think skaters perhaps are in some i mean it's just 
difficult to uh, pe- skaters need to think outside the box and be willing to pick up an all I need deck or a polar deck or a magenta deck and not always go back to the same stuff that's yeah. driven by the same sort of central uh, you know mainstream part of skateboarding that part of skateboarding or whatever you well, know. Can you to look at the bottom of the shelf or whatever's on the far left or whatever you know the guy just got in from you know, a smaller distribution or something, you know, and don't always buy the shop deck and kind of think differently, you know, uh, try and find the interesting stuff in skateboarding and enjoy it because it's out there, you know, and, and there's some like, you know, as a skater, you're part of what makes it interesting or boring. So, you know, do your part to make it cooler or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think they, people should just wear their hearts on their sleeve and it, it affects more people around you. That's why I just called it all I need because I know people will question it, you know, because everyone gets that concept, all I need. So then you have to kind of explore it. It's like, why would someone name their brand that? You know what I mean? Like you, it's already a question. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not just like a, not just a logo. It's just like a thought. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. just something to get someone thinking. Like, it's simple. You know what I mean? And it's a feeling. And it's like, that's awesome. So, skateboarders gotta keep spreading that. That's all I'm saying. It's like a race between conventional advertising and what we can do as skateboarders to advertise with the tools we have. You know what I mean? Like, and by advertising, I just mean advertise your joy and happiness of skating. Share our world with people so they actually fall in love with it and don't just want to be the next big fucking dude on TV. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, uh, I, I, and I, I hate saying this and I always say it, but I, I like the recession for, I hate that everything bad happened to people and like, but the one th- good thing about the recession is just, it just put, it just like let people get more self-aware and realize that time is limited and that like, you don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it makes us think outside our paradigm or it's like a paradigm shift. So I just, I think that's so important and we need to think more community oriented and less like um the olympics <laughs> although that side should be there though it's just got to be a healthy balance that's all i'm saying is a healthy balance and it's like i want more people to do to share like real skateboarders to share and whether you're teaching a class or you're doing a podcast or you're like share the beauty of skateboarding share like the people that blood sweat and tears for it this all the there's so many characters and so much style and personality like all that is way more valuable than a fucking trophy you know what i mean so share all that shit if you guys aren't sharing it and i'm the only motherfucker out here by myself sharing shit and i'm the kook then that's a bad thing you know what i mean yeah like it's a bad thing it's a bad thing i agree it's it's uh you know it really is uh, it says a lot about it. It's a real shame if, you know, it, if the person who's sharing, the person who's doing something, you know, is viewed as, uh, you know, less, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, but that should be viewed. We should have more of this and less of the manicured uh, corporate PR style, uh, you know, representation of pros. And it's much more interesting. I mean, it may be harder to get the numbers looking at it, but once the people do get access to it, and if they are given access to it, I think, you know, I, I can't imagine there's a skater in the country who'd be, you know, who wouldn't be interested in listening to what you and other pros have to say on the podcast and stuff like that, you know? And the more, the better more, getting it out there. Yeah, the more flavor we have, the better. That's why I want more people to do it, because I'm like, We'll have we'll have more options, which is cool. It'll get more people into it, and it's like we all have our own thing to share. You know what I mean? Like we can all have a unique little spot, and it's like sharing different points of views from different perspectives and ideas. And it's like that's sharing, and everyone's different, and diversity is way better than conformity. I think, like you know what I mean? Like that seems like such a I sound stupid saying it, right? 
But if, is it my crazy or is it just like I hope people I feel like things are changing for good. I, no, no, it definitely is. And I mean, it's uh, one thing. It's great. The park I go to, it's called Local Skate Park, also formerly known as Sessions. It's on the north side of Cincinnati. And uh, the really great times I have there when uh, there's an assortment of skaters with a completely different style and everyone's ripping, but it's like 10 different kinds of skating you know there's the guys doing like the really tech stuff on the ledge then there's guys doing massive bonelesses on the bank and you know wild uh you know tricks from the 80s and stuff just you know really diverse guys skating big stuff doing big flip tricks over gaps guys skating tranny you know mixing it up and and in a lot of cases it's you know that people now are able it's respected to incorporate all of that into the skating for one skater so a lot of guys are ripping around you know and doing all sorts of that different stuff and uh you know it's it's great about skating right now and long may it continue so yeah i do that i do that at my local skate park because like winter's come man and like i love skating with people like that's one of the best things about skateboarding is like meeting someone that feels the same way you do about it like that's an instant bond you know what i mean like that's beautiful that's like an awakening you're like this person likes to get their heart going they like creating they like having fun they like all the silly shit that comes with skateboarding so i i, I dip around in my skate park I, sometimes it's funny because like there'll be like bikers going back and forth and they have a certain rhythm and all this stuff i'm the dude in the middle like i i have such a rhythm now like i snake in between everything and like i hit everything in weird ways and like and I go out of my way to th- talk to everyone, no matter age, gender, all that stuff. Like, I'll go, my, our skate park's huge. So there's like different groups skating different parts. Like, you can go around back and there's a whole nother skate park. There's a small room, which I, which I start my lessons in, and it's all small ramps. Then we got the mini ramp with the spine, and then we got this whole street session. So there's like s- multiple sessions going on. And I make sure, especially when I'm warming up, to cross into all those areas, say hi, check out what's going on, see the scene. Like, first of all, it's because people know who I am. That's one of the things. And I'm like, I just want to break that ice because it's like I put myself out there so much and I've been doing it for so long. And it makes sense that they know who I am, whether they're, you know, regardless of how they feel. But it's just like when you put yourself out there, people know who you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's there's nothing worse than like standing around with some guy that clearly, you know, who he is and he knows, you know, who he is. But you can't be like, I, you know, guy who's, you know whose name i know or whatever it's it is an uncomfortable thing that you know is common probably in skateboarding or i'm sure there are skaters who feel that way sometimes and it's great when you and others you know who are in a position like you take the upper hand and just break the ice you know for people who might be intimidated because it takes so little for you to say hi to someone in a skate park but it takes so much more for the guy who you know has no name or whatever yeah you, so. It even goes with the skating too, because some days like I'll go to the skate park and it's like, I mean, just like anyone, sometimes you go to the skate park or wherever you are and it's just like there's a session going on and you already feel pressured into like just getting into the session. And like uh, my big thing, dude, is I love to bring it down to flat ground. Like just start like I love the like I know there's a session going on. I'll let them get their thing going on, but I'll be off to the corner like doing flat ground. And then soon enough, I have like five dudes around me or kids or whoever, girls, and they're doing flat ground because they were sitting off to the side before because there's a heavy session going. And they like I'll first thing I do when I get to the skate park, um, uh, Zach, I I go and I move all the I move the boxes around because a lot of times they all bunch up because people try to get them out of the way and we got a bunch of boxes and rails. 
and everyone's trying to escape, but they're like they forget they have this like prop this land that like is just covered. So I go there and I move all the shit out of the way every time. Like the first ten minutes, I'm just moving heavy boxes, and everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy. And it's like I want to skate this ground. I want to roll through here. Like it's all bunched up and no one's using it, and you guys are just stuck in that one spot. And it's like we free this up. These five people off to the side can come skate with me, and we can have fun and sweat, and then you guys can, and then we can cross in between, and it's just like, that's like that's what I do. I go out of my way to like mix it all up, because it's so fun. It's like, I hate when someone's sitting down. I love when I see people that are just starting, too. I always like to say hi to them, and just be like, just have fun and skate with like new people. It's it's awesome. Like That's the best part of skating, is meeting people and getting to see their style and their efforts and all that stuff, so yeah, really mad. Hey, um, did you have class today? Uh, no, I had class yesterday, and we had the exam review. And while I was doing the exam review, so obviously I have I have thirty kids in the class, and the majority wow, really? have, have never skated. Yeah, the interest has been overwhelming. I'm really, uh, really grateful for that. I want and to ask you about while, that though. I'm, let, be, before I forget, you don't have to answer it right now. Keep your thought. But um, I want to ask you about: Are you worried that you're like? I guess you're giving them a dip into the world, but, like, are they going to have alternative motives? Are they, like, spies? But go ahead. Continue with what you're doing. Great, great, great question. <laughs> I would have forgot uh, it. No, no, So yesterday in class, we had the exam review. I uh, have been skating a lot in the snow, and I had broken my deck, and I was uh, didn't have a new one ready to go. So I had been through the graveyard or whatever out back and picked out a suitable one, but uh, I my shoes were near the end of the life cycle, so I decided to re-grip it, which I would highly recommend. If you uh, you know want to get a little more life out of a deck and you feel like it's all spongy and not working great, and I'm not talking to you, <laughs> Anthony, as much as I am to the listeners, uh, re-gripping is a great option. I think I, I like it. So anyway, so I, I decided to re-grip my deck, which required me to take the trucks off and do all of that while I was doing the exam review. So it was kind of an open forum. Uh, you know, they uh, asked some questions and stuff like that. And actually, every wait, day... Wait, wait, you were re-gripping your board while they were taking the test? Is that what you just told no, me? No, during the exam review. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so during the exam review, so they were... because And they were fascinated by it. You know, they'd never seen anyone put the grip tape on a skateboard. It's awesome. Uh, put the trucks on. You know, I told them... And it was interesting because the day before... My deck had gotten focused by a car tire, went into the street, and beautifully, my deck was focused, but it didn't drag my wheels down the street or or flats bottom or anything or break my kingpin or ruin my trucks or anything. They were completely perfect, and I just put a new set of wheels on. So that was actually the reason I had to do any of this in the first place, because my deck got focused by a car. So I was able to discuss to... um, uh, explain that to them, show them how grateful I was that these parts hadn't gotten torn up because this is where I grind and the trucks are, you know, the things that you actually love because, you know, they're what have your sweet spots and, you know, <laughs> you know, and they turn right and everything else that, you know, so the important thing is the trucks and that the deck is replaceable. And that's an important thing about the industry, you know, knowing, and we have a textbook called Amped, uh, which was written in 2004 by a music journalist investigating the business of action sports. And uh, it talks about core shops and decks being replaced and shoes being replaced and all that. But for them to see it while they were having the exam review, 
you know, is something different. So I thought it was interesting, so I did that. I did uh, I did a similar thing. I, I gripped someone's board at the skate park the other night, and uh, he was, like, kind of new, and I was kind of showing him. I'm like, you don't want air bubbles. Like, yeah. you just lift the edges up so when you run the razor blade down, like, there's this technique and style to it. And uh, it's fun, like, putting the wheels on. Put, like, you teach them how to push the bearings in without using the bearing press. Like, use your palms on the wheel and press it in. And just, like, um, don't tighten your hardware too much or it'll go into the top ply. Like, yeah. it's subtle nuances about putting it together. That's one of the funnest things in skateboarding is setting up a board. Like, And when you were saying earlier, it was funny. It was because I skate my shit till it's dead. I try to. And if I don't, I save it. And like, But I know that healthy balance you're talking about. Like, sometimes your shoes and your board ratio, like... Your shoes are dead, and it's like, but that regripping would work. You know what I mean? You could, oh yeah, regripping when your shoes are near the end of their. And I'm if I'm trying to do a trick or whatever, I'd much rather go skating in my shoes that are terrible and have no grip with new grip tape than put on a new pair of shoes. Yeah. And go and try and do. You know what I mean? That's so like way more Phoenix boxes on your feet. Yeah, yeah. So I'd rather have crappy shoes and new grip, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I always like my favorite combination is like mid, like semi broken in shoes and a new board because you uh, got that fresh grip and you're you they're not past that middle part where they're starting to get ripped, but they're just broken in. Your kickflip spot and your ollie spot is like broken and nice. It's still got grip. That's the spot. That's when you're like everything feels like a backside disaster. Like feels real quick or like that front shove feels quick because you get that grip. It's like. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Can I uh, just to can I ask you a couple of skate nerd questions? Please, please. Uh, okay, I want to ask you about a couple. First of all, I want to say that uh, one spot that I love that I've skated that you've skated is in London called Elephant and Castle, yeah. and it's where you did the line where you ollie onto the bench, then ollie off the bench to a little back five zero on these weird blocks, then a nollie tray flip, then a kick flip, back flip. Uh, to forward or fakie? It was pop out to fakie, yeah. Pop out to fakie. Yeah, I love that spot. And, uh, yeah, it's super fun. And I just wondered what you thought of it. Did that take you a long time? Have you skated it a lot? Because it's cool to talk about somewhere we both skated. Yeah, no, that was the first. It's in a foreign country. Yeah, I that was the first time I had been there. It was a York, I think it was a New York trip. I'm pretty sure. I, I believe that's our in state of mind. Yeah, RB filmed that. RB Umali, who's awesome, good homie. I still skate with him and film with him and Westgate. They come down here. We go to New York and skate like good friends. Um, but yeah, that spot was amazing. It's so long ago, but I remember the footage. I was really proud of that because I had never done a kickflip back lip pop out ever. Yeah, but at that that spot, like I was having fun doing that ollie up the bench to ollie little five zero, and then I was like, and then I did a back lip, and I was like, oh, this is so flat and perfect. So, um, but that was the first time I had ever done it, and I actually got it surprisingly quick. Like I got the line; it took a little bit to piece it together, but once I got the five zero, then the ollie tray, like the way I liked it, and then I was like, all right, it felt good, and then it just happened. Like usually that last trick is the hardest one, so it's not. Yeah the easiest one you know but whatever it just landed on it perfect and it just and i'd never done it before but it just oh, that's so, awesome. felt so comfortable it just popped out that way and just rode away i was like stoked i'm hyped that you knew that line <laughs> one thing and that'll lead me briefly on to another topic and that is when you skate a street spot and the reason i one reason i've been skating a ton of streets lately is because i was getting bored doing the same stuff in the park over and over and it wasn't changing the way i skated at all i wasn't challenging myself but when you go to a street spot 
for some reason, some spots work only for some tricks, right? Because mm-hmm. of a crack or whatever. And for instance, I skated a ledge that wasn't a 90 degree. It was obtuse. Yep. So it was a little bit upward. And that taught me to do back 180 nose grinds because I could like pop out whatever that way, you know, because the ledge pushed me out switch. I didn't keep rolling over it every time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, was like this revolution where, oh, if you go and skate street, it's going to, you know, it, it, it it changes the way you skate, et cetera. And it sounds like for you, that spot, uh, you said you'd never done the pop out to fakie out of a back lip, right? Yeah, never, and, never. But that spot is so perfect. It makes pop out so easy. It's the first place I ever popped out of a front board on like a real proper planner, you know? So uh, that's, you know, I wanted to ask you about that spot. That's, that's crazy that we've skated the same spot like on the other side, <laughs> like over the ocean. And Isn't that awesome? Trick and there. You've also skated South Bank probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure some other stuff in London because it's all right there. So. Yeah, yeah. We and New York too, man. I uh, I sh- just to mention very briefly because you've talked about Fiveborough. I love like East Coast stuff and uh, skating in New York's amazing and Steve Rodriguez and Fiveborough, super cool. And other newer kind of the other stuff that's, Happening in New York, not so much the Supreme stuff I'm into, but like Bronze and uh, Johnny Wilson's videos. Hell yeah, uh, hell yeah. Like Paige, and, uh, the new one, and, uh, you know, some of that other Lurk NYC stuff and some of that other stuff is just so great. New so, York, uh, there's nowhere like New York. Like New York, yeah. oh man, just growing up and going to New York for like the weekends when I rode for Fibro and even now, like, it it's kind of goes back to what you're talking about because when you skate street, your environment changes. You're not in a fucking box. It's not the same ledge, the same thing. So you're you're learning over and over to like get used to stuff. You know what I mean? Like which is a good skill. You got to figure it out and get used to it. So you're constantly exploring new lands, as Zared would say. <laughs> lands. Let's go explore some <laughs> new lands. But um, <laughs> but you gotta like you gotta learn those tricks. And some spots have are better for others. But you're just learning to skate different types of things instead of just different tricks. Now you're learning how to skate different obstacles. You know what I mean? Like, and the streets have the most because it's like everything's not perfect. Especially on the East Coast, there's so many little nooks and crannies and little like things that you could find. And it's like that's beautiful. That works for that. That doesn't that. And it's it'll force you to learn new tricks because you're going to new obstacles and new things and new surroundings. Whereas a skate park, it's like, you could have 10 skate parks around you, but for the majority, they're all built pretty perfect, and like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a box after a box after a box. <laughs> yeah, to sum it up, I mean, if you, if for me, if I go to a skate park, I know what's going to happen. If I go out in my car looking for something random, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I could end up doing something I don't expect at all, telling, you know, finding something in my skating that I didn't know existed because of where I'm skating. Have, and stuff, and that doesn't happen for me as often in parks. So do you, I don't. I'm also terrible at skating tranny. I'll qualify that. Uh, uh, I won't use the same joke as the last podcast because it didn't really work. I said something like, "I, I said I can't drop in," yeah. uh, which works with my friends when we're in person, and I always say that as a way of like suggesting that no, I don't want to go to the tranny place. I want to go to the <laughs> place with street or go skate street. But you know, on a podcast with someone you don't know, that doesn't really work. Can I give you a lesson? And you can't see them. I did that on on Skate O'Clock. I said I couldn't drop in, and I think the listeners probably assume I couldn't drop in. 
can I give you a lesson lesson on mini? Here, here you go. This is what I tell people. I, I, when I have a skate lesson and they've never skated, I say, all right, stand on your front foot and find your center of balance. So they're on their board and they're finding their center of balance with their front foot. And then I'm like, if you can do this rolling, you'll know your center. And then I make them start at the bottom of the mini ramp. I love mini ramp because it's the it's the truth. Because you have to learn to pump on a mini ramp. If you want to get good at mini ramp, you have to learn to pump. And that's what I had to do. And like people like to jump jump steps people won't really learn how to pump their way to the top of the mini ramp what they'll do is they'll learn how to drop in and then they have too much speed on the other side and then they just abort or whatever the best thing with a mini ramp or any tranny i have one at skater's edge that is amazing it's like four feet and uh i've put a lot of my sweat into that thing it's amazing but um it's so mellow if everyone complains about it not me fucking love it love it everyone complains it's too mellow it's too mellow i'm like start at the bottom Learn how to pump this thing. It's not too mellow. It's mellow enough that you can learn anything because you're not going to, it's not too steep. And it's like, if you learn to pump that, you can pump anything. So that's where it is. I make everyone start at the bottom and we pump our way up till we're like, cause no lie right now. I bet if we were at the skate park, you could pump up it a little and ride back down. So then it's like you hit the other wall and then it's like, then you practice that. So yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I can, uh, I can like skate mini a little bit. I just don't. I don't. I just always go skate street, and I skate with a lot of old guys who mostly want to skate tranny a lot of times. So I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I want to go skate ledges or whatever. And they're always like, I can't ollie, so I always say I can't. <laughs> but I mean, I can like skate tranny a little bit, and man, I love a backside ollie. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Sure. I, I love it, dude. I, no, I mean, I, I like skating it a little bit. I just don't. Uh, for instance, I've been skating like half my life, and I cannot do a blunt fakie. Wow, really? Early, well, like I've never just taken the time to learn them, and I don't skate that kind of thing. Well, now you have to because they're fucking yeah, awesome. Now, yeah, so now good. shit. Now I have. <laughs> At least get blunt no. rock. Can you do a blunt to rock? Have you ever tried that? Uh, I've tried it, but yeah, it just feels weird. I just think I need to pop back in properly, you know. Damn, we just got to skate sometime because that shit's so fun. Like, yeah, when are you gonna do the uh, All I Need Rust Belt tour, man? Well, uh, Cincinnati, Detroit, Cleveland. It is awfully cheap. All the skate shops out there, let's do this. Let's get some boards moving. We'll have that money. I'll put it into coming out and shredding. I will. I swear. I love going on trips with my skate team, man. We, we've we done some crazy ones. We drove like eight hours to Delaware and skated at Black Tie Skate Shop. My, and those dudes were so cool. They let us sleep in the skate shop. And we went and skated their park. And they bought some boards to cover our expenses. And, like, we got to go skate with kids and, like, meet, skate a new park and meet new people. It was so sick. We do stuff like that all the time. We went to Danville, PA, and that's, like, uh, hours away, you know. They covered our expenses by buying some boards, and we went. And in the middle of, like, PA, like, it's all beautiful. It opens up, and there's just mountains, like 180 degree, basically, mountain. And you're in this little valley, and there's this concrete skate park, which you might have trouble with because it's a lot of tranny. But... (laughs) <laughs> you still would have had fun. There's flat that you could mess around and get into it. But um, dude, and there's a river right there. We went swimming. We had a fire. Like everyone hung out all day and skated with us. They had live music. It was just like a skate shop through the thing, and we drove up, and it was so rad, man. We got to meet. So we've done it twice now, actually. And this time when we went, the second time it was raining. We drove all these like hours, like I think it's like five hours or something, and it rained in the the parks outdoors. So we just skated in the shop. They dragged the parking block in, dude. And we had like, I don't even know how many kids, like 15, 20 kids. And everyone's just skating this parking block and getting hyped. And then it dried up. And we were like, went out. And then we got to go skate skate the park too. So yeah. sick. So, All warmed up, ready to go. 
yeah, so as far as that goes, man, as long as there's shops that are down for all I need and they're down to carry some boards and that money goes back into skateboarding, that's what I try to do with all I need. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't care about getting rich. Like, it's not, my objective is not that. My objective is to create more awesome stuff, period. Whether it's turning someone pro, like, letting them, like, or creating awesome videos or traveling or that's the goal put all the money into like doing that because that's like the fun stuff that's the beauty like the more we do that the better you know what i mean i work a nine to five right now and it's awesome because it's screen printing and embroidery and i do my apparel through there which is awesome they let me warehouse everything and i get a good price and they have ridiculous amounts of embroidery machines and colors and paints like it's like a pretty massive operation so i i don't like i just want to i'll work and just skate you know what i mean like i don't care all i need can grow and do its own thing and we can keep doing awesome stuff i just we're working on a film a guest filmer board for my homie dan he filmed thrive prosper eyes dan mcgrath okay yeah cool and then if you check out what's that oh i just said that's awesome that's yeah thanks if you check out um the ride channel every friday we have two episodes out they're all out on the all i need youtube but if you wait for the ride channel they're releasing them every Friday. We're on episode two, and there's six episodes of our AIN Cali Trippin' Tour where I just took dudes that I've sponsored when I was like, look, World Industries don't want to sponsor skateboarding anymore. I'll do it. I'll work a job and put it into all I need, and we'll do cool stuff. And I have this kid, Billy Drown, um, Corey Goonan, myself, and I sponsored Timmy Knuth, who's pro as well, and he rode for World, and he came over with us. And uh, I was like, well, I'm keeping the party going because <laughs> I see value in skateboarding. Let's do this. And uh, – we did a trip to California for two weeks just to film and skate. We skated tons of parks. We went and met people. We went to Active and skated their park. We skated all over Oceanside and San Diego. We skated street. We checked out the manufacturer out there in Gnarlywood. We did a podcast. We went to Desiree Astorga's podcast, which is Kick Lips and First Down, the Desiree Show. So okay, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. it's football and skateboarding. And, and she, oh, cool. she, 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 uh, her and her husband um aaron they photographers for trans world and been involved in skating so um and we we just went and just had a great two weeks man and we documented the whole thing and like the ride channel's been putting it out but like that's where i'm like i'll I'll take the money i make from all i need and put it into that the day that type of stuff sucks that's when i'll like be out of skateboarding but it'll never suck it's too awesome like you said traveling and going different places and all the like that's what we do with all i need so yeah. I don't know. I think about it. I'm like, if all I need ended up making a lot of money one day, like, would I stop working like a job? I don't know. I don't know if I would. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to think about it. Like, I don't know. I like yeah. security, too. So it's like I just started thinking, comparing myself to, like, people that come out of, like, the old recession and or the depression and stuff. You hear those stories about people that would, like, still – they'd hit the lottery, but they still work their job or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I think, uh, and kind of what you said about, like, just, you know, learning, knowing no other way but to, like, hustle or to just make it happen and to grind or whatever, you know, having learned that when you were young, I'm sure, you know, even if you were just doing all I need, you'd be making other stuff happen, too, so that's right. I hope so, man. It's been awesome talking with you. Um, You've been an awesome guest, and it was cool to, like, hear about you through another podcast. I don't know, that's... It's so cool that that can happen now. Like, it's I'm so hyped on all the positive feedback from the podcast too. Like, I feel like people are listening and sharing. Like, Jim Thebos listens to my podcast, and that trips me out. Like, it's, yeah. it's crazy to think that, you know. And uh, I want to have on more skate personalities. I think people should share more. There's too many awesome skateboarders. Like, 
I, I keep thinking about I have a list and it's like ever growing. I'm like, oh, that dude's awesome. That dude's awesome. That <laughs> like I'm like this tube. It's endless. It's the fountain of youth. And I want to get Chris Haslam now that we're on it. I want to. Now that'd be great. Yeah, I'm gonna tag him in this when I post this episode. I'm gonna say, listen to this episode. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, no, it would. Uh, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm sure there are so many more guests, and the episodes you've done already are great too. So I encourage those who haven't to go back and listen to the backlog because uh, you know the stuff you've done isn't. Uh, it's not necessarily time sensitive. You're not talking about what happened that day. It's you know going into the history of various perspectives of uh, all different types of people. So you know I'd go back and listen to the older stuff because it's not you know yeah uh, it doesn't still go relevant. yeah it doesn't so, go stale. It's yeah. like um it's genuine. It doesn't go stale. We talk about a lot of stuff and it's awesome. I lo- I love it. Um, I well, before I end before we end the show usually I like um. I, I have you do your social media plug, but I wanted to ask you if you could, if people want to sign up for your class. Like, I mean, you said you had 30 people. I don't know how big your classes can get, but. <laughs> uh, no, well, I mean, right now I'm teaching it in the classroom at the University of Dayton, but I'd love to, uh, investigate teaching it on the internet. So, See? and, uh, certainly if there was, uh, any demand for that, uh, it wouldn't hurt prospects. So if anyone <laughs> wants to email the Department of Health and Sports Science, at the University of Dayton and tell them they have an interest in taking the class on the internet if it was offered or whatever, uh, you know, that'd be great. And uh, I'll certainly think about doing that. And, uh, you know, if there's enough interest, you know, that'd be awesome. And as you've said, uh, technologies bring, you know, people so much closer together these days. So we could uh, easily have classroom discussions over the internet and uh, all ingest the same video and reading material and come together to uh, discuss it and consume it. So, I mean, the class could definitely work that way. That sounds awesome. And if I was like, if I was going to go to school, man, (laughs) it would be so cool to do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that seems like such a cool opportunity. And there's so much, uh, it's, it's so outside the box. I love it. It's genius. It's a good idea. I hope, I hope it just keeps going well for you, man. Oh, thank you. Well, I'll tell you what, I've met a lot of sports management majors and you'd be a great one. So if you ever want to go back to, uh, go back to school, you have a lot of experience, uh, whether you think of it like that or not, in, uh, you know, very practical sponsorship marketing sides of, uh, the business of sports. So there's a degree, uh, awaiting you without, uh, without much additional reading if you're into it, probably. Yeah, maybe. We'll see one day. I always think about that. I was like, I should go to school because it would just like reassure me. I like reassurance. Like I've I've talked to a lot of awesome people. That's another good thing about the podcast is I get to talk to people that like I've talked to the dudes that own Narragansett Beer, you know, like entrepreneurs that started something that's successful, you know, like uh, I've talked to a lot of people and it's like it's crazy to hear like them say things that I would have said, you know. So it's like reassurance, like, oh, I think that way too. And it's like these dudes done certain things and got to certain levels, you know. And you're like, they're educated people, you know. So reassurance school would be awesome, and I know it would just open it up even further. That's a great idea. <laughs> Online, it seems cool too. I mean, I know that was like a crazy concept uh, a few years back, but now it's like doesn't seem so crazy they actually did you see that they released a bunch of college courses like didn't mit was it that put them all online for free uh mit um 
put uh, many, yeah, many courses online for free, and a number of other universities have too. I know you can do tons of like Yale's economics courses, for instance, on the internet as well. So, yeah, there are a lot of universities doing it now. So, you know, some of the greatest like professors in the world are at your fingertips. You definitely don't need to spend uh, two hundred thousand dollars or whatever in student loans, or you know, not spend it. Commit yourself to paying it back to uh, learn and get an education these days so i got a serious question though before we go um will we see a video part because you've been on a charge i've been watching your instagram and like you got you got you got a good amount of footage stacking on there like would you ever think about putting a video part together i only film like with my telephone man so oh dude if if, if if i was you know you know if, if it comes together that i'm filming with someone who wants to follow me filming some lines That'd be awesome, but obviously the main problem when you're either by yourself or just with the phone is that, you know, it just doesn't really work out like that, so I just, like, go and skate, and then whatever I did that day. You need a film bot. Not familiar. What are they exactly? Oh, no, you need a, yeah, it's a... Oh, oh a filmer. Yeah, film, yeah, film bot grip tape. <laughs> you need a film bot. That's always a cool... I always picture that. I'm like, imagine if you had a robot that would just follow you around to film. I guess that's when people put GoPros on their helmet, I guess. <laughs> it's not yeah, quite yeah. the same, but... <laughs> oh, exactly. Actually, uh, speaking of helmets, can I just mention one other thing? Please. That's that, and it's important to me, so sorry if we could just take a few minutes. Please, please. Uh, yeah, my little brother suffered a traumatic brain injury uh, some years back, and so he was um, uh, he was actually rollerblading when he did it, but he was in a coma for a while, and then he came out of it, and thankfully he's... Uh, fully recovered, and uh, he's now a college graduate and probably going to go to grad school and stuff, so he's great. But for our my mother in particular, it's always been a huge concern. I mean, right after his injury, it was a big problem for me, and I wore a helmet a lot for a little while while I skated, you know. Yeah. And um, so it was just so vivid in my head what can happen when you hit your head. Uh, but I stopped after, you know, not too long and skated without a helmet, and it would always cause my mom a lot of concern. And so I started investigating solutions. And being that I'm 30 and I just got married and, uh, you know, nobody's giving me uh, equipment or money in order to look cool, uh, I have discovered a solution that uh, I would recommend very highly. And if you'll just hang on one very brief second, I'll grab it. I can keep talking. Okay. Uh, it is a beanie with um, plates in it uh, that uh, it looks like a regular hat, but it has very thin plates that um, provide some protection uh, in the event of hitting your head. And, uh, I mean, there's absolutely nothing cool uh, about concussions or, you know, head injuries in any way. And we've been talking about community and about skating and about love of skating this entire podcast, and if you can't go out and skate because you've hit your head, uh, you know, there's a major concern. So as a way of dealing with my mother's concerns and my own concerns about hitting my head as I get older and everything, um, I have started wearing this hat, which I'm showing you now, uh, six plates, which uh, go into insertable slots inside a black beanie, and I'll just put it on to demonstrate for you how much it looks like a regular hat. And I, could, you, I could be wearing one right now. You. Yeah, and if you watch any of my skate footage on Instagram, I look like any other skater in the cold. I'm wearing a beanie and usually a hood because it's freezing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it just looks like a black beanie, but I do have some plates 
to uh, protect my brain, which is how I make money. Obviously, I'm a professor. You know, I need this thing. Yeah. And uh, I certainly don't want to put my mother or my wife or myself uh, through any kind of a head injury because of, you know, skating. And I want to be able to skate all the time. So uh, I've been wearing this for three or four months, and I've been working with the company that makes them to make it better for skating. And I've helped them to make it tighter at the bottom so it doesn't fly off my head, for instance. I've um, helped them to make a number of improvements to make it slightly deeper so it goes down and uh, to really make the product work better for skating. And uh, soon uh, the new improved skate-specific version of these hats will be available to the public. Uh, and if for others who have hit their head in the past and they don't like to wear a helmet, this could be a very useful option for them. Um, and really for anyone, you know, it's, uh, it's not, it's no secret anymore. Head injuries in every sport are now a major concern. The, uh, you know, uh, head injuries that accrue over time from just the act of playing football, we now discover uh, you know, have a detrimental effect on the health of people's brains, et cetera, et cetera, American football, that is. So, and other sports, now they're talking about, you know, um, head injuries, uh, sub-concussive impact over time from heading soccer balls, and, you know, head injuries are a huge problem. Um, but in skateboarding and street skating in particular, uh, nobody's going to start wearing a helmet anytime soon. No. Um, but for those people who don't want to wear a helmet and they do want something other than nothing at all, and maybe they have to have something other than nothing at all, or maybe they're not skating as often as they would because they've hit their head too many times, but they're not about to start wearing a helmet, uh, this could present a great solution. I, I got two points to this. One is my homie Jared. I love Jared. He actually was on my podcast if you go back. Okay, one of the older ones. Jared Pimentel. Uh, yeah, he's an awesome dude. Fan, he has kids. Very awesome young dude. Uh, he hit his head really hard, and uh, it was scary. Oh, there's there's Instagram photos on Solstice Skate Shop. It's like him laying in a puddle of blood, and it was so scary. I'm just like, that's my friend, you know. Uh, and he started wearing a helmet after that because he was skating and just like, I can't, you know. I've hit my head quite a bit, and I know how much it sucks. And he uh he did it really bad. I think he got hung up on a death box dropping in. Oh, my Like, he God. didn't see the death box, and he dropped in on it and fell to the flat. Oh, vicious. Just immediately caught his truck and went straight <laughs> to the flat. Yeah, like, surprise, oh. like, dead weight. Ugh. But uh, he was wearing a helmet for a long time after that. I think he's now taking it off. But that that thing might have been really perfect for it. And two, I had vertigo for, like, about six months of my life. I've talked about it in the past. Yeah, absolutely, I know. But they told me there's several different types of vertigo. You can get vertigo, like, it can be viral. You can get it from hitting your head too hard. Sometimes they can do adjustments to your back and, like, fix your vertigo. There's, like, positional vertigo. And uh, they said, in mine, I couldn't figure it out. They said, I think it was, like, a viral infection or something, like, with my vertigo. And I had to just wait it out. But, like, they said it could have been from hitting my head. And I've hit my head a few times and it has staples in the back. And uh, I think about that. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, man, imagine if that was what caused the vertigo. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But that was six months of my life. That was hell. I couldn't do what I loved. I was stuck in California. Like, I couldn't even fly home. I had a, Actually, I was supposed to go to South America the day before or the yeah. day after. I got it, and then the day after I was supposed to go, couldn't go. Like, And I was like, I wonder if that's from hitting my head. But I don't know, regardless. And then the other thing I want to say was 
What is it? Is it plastic? What is uh, it? Yeah, it's actually um, the same material that they make bulletproof glass out of. Uh, it's a polycarbonate. And um, I will uh, just have uh, more of a uh, – I'll just have a look at my notes here. Sorry. But, hey, um, it's all right. The company is called Crash. Uh, Crash New York, uh, C-R-A-S-C-H-E, yeah. and the skate-specific hat is uh, not quite available yet, uh, but it should be available shortly, um, and uh, I'll can just... You, can, you feel, can you feel the plastic when you put it on? That was the first thing I thought when you showed uh, me those. I was like, when I put it on, can you feel it in your head? Like, does it annoy you like a... Uh, not at all. Not like a helmet. In fact, my friend started wearing, uh, wore one yesterday to skate for the first time, and he said that he experienced, uh, he got used to the weight almost instantly. It's not like when you put on a helmet and you feel like you have this thing that's pulling your head around and affecting, you know, how your balance, you know what I mean? You're a bobblehead. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if you've had that feeling when you've had to wear helmets in the past, but it's, if you're not used to it, it makes, it feels really awkward. Um, but this, uh, the adjustment time for this is almost nothing. I it's, couldn't it's tell. Basically, just like wearing a beanie. Yeah, no, um, and most people can't, um, you know, can't tell. So there's literally no way to tell. Like if me and you were standing by side by side, because I'm wearing a beanie as well, there's no way to like tell. Like that just looks like you're wearing a black beanie, which is pretty amazing. Because I never, you know, you're a little kid, you're like I have to wear a helmet. Like if you went to the skate park, I wonder if they like would let you wear that. If you're like, oh look, I have this, you know, like who knows, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, actually, I mean, and the. Uh, myself and uh, the others involved, you know, certainly don't wish to present it as more protective than, you know, uh, I'm only saying that it's better than having nothing at all. It's certainly not a replacement for a helmet. Um, and, you know, that's obviously if you really need to protect yourself from serious injury, uh, a helmet is the best solution. Like drops um, in on a dead box. But, <laughs> but, you know, this uh, is better than nothing at all. Yeah, and uh, I've definitely found that myself, and it's a minimal level of inconvenience. It's washable. Uh, you can take the uh, plates right out and uh, wash it immediately. Um, you can also replace. Uh, you can also there are also multiple. Um, you can use multiple uh, hats and uh, with the same plates. See. Um, so that. So it's not like you have to keep buying new plates. It's like once you get the plates, you can switch it out. Yes, exactly. So, what's up, Amber? Amber made the podcast. <laughs> oh, great! Hello, Amber. Oh. And uh, Elwood also, or no? No, Elwood is—he's probably playing with his ducky. Hey, um, I wanted to—I wanted to do something special for this episode. Um, so I'm gonna give away an Olo clip because I have this Olo clip, and uh, my homie uh works at Olo Clip, and he skates, and like whenever I want to do little promotional things, like. He'll send me some, just like, here, I'll send you a couple and you can do something cool with it to, like, help, like, give away an Insta contest for all I need, or... He just shows me supports in that way, and I know how cool these Olo clips are, and since we're at the end of the podcast and we're talking about stuff, it kind of reminded me. Um, but yeah, if you want to win this Olo clip, it's an Olo clip for iPhone 6. Um, I guess the best way to do it would be if you could go to iTunes and, uh, give me a rating. If you want to give me five stars, that'd be sick. Yes, absolutely. If you think I deserve one, do you think? Do you think? Probably not, though. But uh, uh, and uh, leave a comment. So if you leave a comment and you give me a rating, I'll go on there and I'll randomly pick someone, um, just out of the list. Whatever the comment is, don't don't try to flatter me. But if you like the podcast, let me know why. Be honest, you know. Um, 
if you like one of my guests, just leave a comment about something about the podcast that uh, is cool. And uh, I'll pick someone and I'll mail you an Olo clip for iPhone 6 or 5. I actually have both. So, we'll, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> Anything more about the crashes? Why is that? Why is the E at the end? Where's yeah, the-, uh, the spelling is C-R-A-S-C-H-E. Um, and I'm not sure on the exact reason for the spelling. Um, but... Uh, the uh, logo is actually really, uh, you know, fairly small and minimal. And uh, the E is uh, displayed on the outside here, as you can see. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, the it's uh, poly. Your earlier question, I said it was a polycarbonate plastic, which yeah. again, that is the polycarbonate plate. And then there's a lining of neoprene rubber on the inside of the plate. So uh, rubber on the inside of the plate, and then the polycarbonate plastic on the outside. And uh, it uh, consists of six plates, and each one forms around your head. And you can kind of spread your fingers in between the plates to position them and uh, push the hat downward and, uh, you know, get get it fitting more snugly. So, uh, yeah, it just works really well, and, um, you know, in my experience thus far. Yeah, so, but it's crash.com, and um, I, uh, you can contact me about that, and I'll, uh, will you put my contact information somewhere? We can, I can mention that now. Yeah, mention, mention it now, and we'll put it in the show notes as well. Great. Uh, ZTSanford at gmail.com would work. It's uh, Z is in Zachary, T is in Thomas, and then Sanford, my last name, uh, gmail.com, and I will uh, keep you up to date on developments and definitely get you uh, to the right place once the hats are available, uh, which should be fairly soon, the skate-specific models to the public. And um, and then also, well, you could reach out through Instagram. That would work too. Uh, and it's uh, Zachary T. Sanford, Z K R Y T S N F R D. So just like it sounds. Cool, man. And it, that's that's awesome. If and definitely, if you come off an injury or for whatever reason, man, it seems like a really practical, really smart thing to like have some precaution. And it's cool that it's. I don't really know anyone else doing it, so that's really awesome. But, um, yeah, and it certainly it doesn't look like anything other than the beanie you're wearing, you know, across uh, on the other side of the screen. So yeah, very cool. Um, well, thank you for coming on, man, and I'm glad that we got to have this conversation. Let's see where we're at in time. So we got a uh, hundred and forty hundred and forty three minutes. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. yeah, that's perfect. That's a good podcast. But um, thank you so much. It's been awesome talking to you. We're gonna have to do it again for sure. We'll catch up. We'll give it a little while. Give it some time, and then we'll catch back up and see what's new. Because I know you're constantly developing your class and, and introducing new stuff, so it'd be rad to catch up again. And uh, just keep killing it, man. Keep posting those Instagram videos. I'm hyped to watch those. Oh, thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. And uh, we'll keep in touch for sure. And anyone uh, who's listening to this who wants to get in touch, uh, please do. And uh, any ideas you have for the class or any input you might have about something I might do, or uh, if you know about any other classes that deal with skateboarding that you've taken or taught and you want to talk about those, get in touch. Um, so, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, thanks to everyone who's listened, and particularly thank you to you, Anthony. So. No, no worries. Zachary Sanford, you've been an awesome guest. Thank you, homie. Appreciate it. Later. Bye. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time. Hell yeah, say come on To all my people where you at, put your fist up We gon' twist up, say come on, come on Experience the train of thought Hop the board, come on Experience rockin' with the reflex